This is the weirdest form of Brady Bunch I've ever seen. Hello, everyone. We are here to celebrate. Alrighty, so welcome to episode 500 of the Digital Nomad Mastery podcast and videocast where we teach you how to make money, how to make a difference while traveling the world. We are super excited to have all of our panelists here, a lot of our guests from our previous 500 episodes, plus people from joining from around the world. We have, uh, you know, even on this, uh, the panel here, we have uh, so many different continents represented. We have North America, South America, Asia, Europe, uh, Africa. I think our Aussie friends haven't been represented yet. They're still sleeping over there in Oceania, but super excited. I just wanted to quickly introduce myself and introduce the podcast that we're going to be introducing all the panelists as well. Firstly, Thank you. A big thank you to everyone who's joining us uh, live, uh, taking the time out of your day or night or middle of the night, no matter where in the world you're watching from. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And you guys are in for a treat. We want to deliver a lot of value, a lot of education, and a lot of inspiration for everyone who's taking time to join us live. Plus, we're going to be giving away over $3,000 of prizes. So stay tuned for that. So quick little summary. I'm Ricky Shetty. For those of you who don't know, Daddy Blogger, that's my little emblem there, daddyblogger.com. Got the branding, Daddy Blogger mug. So daddyblogger.com is my big passion, fatherhood and family and uh, family travel. I'm currently traveling around the world with my wife and three young kids. So shout out to my lovely wife, Anne, and three amazing kids, Rianne, Ryan, and Renzo. I do what I do for my wife and for my kids at the end of the day, business, uh, podcasting, YouTube, and everything else is secondary to my primary purpose to build a strong family for myself and to inspire other moms, other dads to build strong families too. So in terms of business, one of my big passions is internet marketing. So I do private coaching, I do online courses, do Kindle books. There's a few of the Kindle books I've done and I do blogging, podcasting, social media and YouTube marketing. And one of my big passions is podcasting. So over the last year and a half, I've actually had the chance to record 500 episodes in only 18 months while traveling in multiple cities, countries, and time zones, and interviewing guests from around the world as well. So it's it's average of about one per day. So I I kind of am still mind blown. I still remember when we first recorded our first interview, Scott and myself, and here we are 500 episodes later. So that's why we threw this big party here to celebrate and just to um, you know, bring back the memories, bring back the guests, and to connect people together. That's one of my big passions too, is the power of connection um, and um, education and inspiration. So on this podcast, we, we have three hours, yes, three hours of continuous live streaming um, from 11 a.m. Eastern until 2 p.m. Eastern. And the reason we chose the Eastern Standard Time is just because a lot of our guests and our listeners, viewers, and supporters are over there in North America. So apologies to the people who are not in that part of the world who are going out of your way to come early. I'm here in the Philippines and it's late at night for me. 
So the first hour, we're going to be talking about if you guys want to travel, make money, how do you prepare yourself in terms of the mindset, in terms of the practical preparation. Second hour will be all about travel highlights, some of the, the great cities, countries, and continents in the world, some of the major sightseeing attractions, but also some of the travel lowlights, the difficulties, the challenges, the struggles with this whole digital nomad internet marketing lifestyle. And then the third hour will be all about travel monetization. So how do you actually make money traveling the world? Uh, and uh, in terms of prizes, our co-host is going to be talking about those in, uh, in a minute here. I uh, just want to share a few things. Uh, people can actually uh, comment and uh, like and share. We have a link um, which Scott will put at the bottom of the video. So you guys can share this video with your network as well. It will help to get a great live stream audience. We'd love to have like 50, 100 plus people watching from around the world, either on the live and of course on the recording as well. Uh, so Scott will have that at the bottom of the, the video and you'll be able to share that with your network. Uh, so in terms of uh, the format for, for now, obviously there are all these uh, panelists here, we're gonna get to know them. Uh, but before we do that, I wanna get Scott, my co-host, to introduce himself. Uh, Scott is uh, the one who helped me start the podcast and then he got super busy, so I ended up uh, doing a lot of the podcast episodes alone. But he's been such a great supporter and a help. He creates all the graphics, uh, he helps with the uploading onto iTunes and uh, he's doing all the tech support for this one to make sure that we go smooth and um, you know make sure there's no major tech issues. So I wanted to thank and acknowledge my co-host Scott, and I'm going to let him share a little bit about where were you, Scott, when we did episode one, and what's happened in the last year and a half on your end from going from episode one to episode 500. Uh, thanks, thanks, Ricky. I really appreciate you and and, and being here. It's really exciting. 500 episodes uh, in a year and a half is pretty pretty amazing and I know, know for sure it seems to me I might have been in the Ukraine because I definitely remember the Ukraine podcast episode we did because it was the only one where we actually talked with a guest who was in Odessa at the same time I was so we were actually in my apartment recording uh, which was which was really cool and, and a lot of fun and uh, now I'm in Costa Rica uh, on the Pacific Ocean, and of course, there's a law that when you record podcasts, the guy next door wants to mow his lawn, so I'm hearing this buzz. I hope you're not hearing the buzz. Uh, we're gonna have a whole bunch of prizes, and I don't wanna at this point kinda go through them, but there's some amazing prizes, and we have a grand prize at the end, so we'll tell everybody how you can uh, get that. So with that, Ricky, I think uh, all I want to say is uh, I executive produce podcasts. I love doing it. It's amazing watching people. And I think I've figured out a system where I get you started and then I disappear because really with the 500 episodes, you've done all the work. Uh, I think I just sort of uh, helped you dip your toe in the water and then I step back and watch you uh, zip across on a speedboat. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, and the other thing that I love doing, and we've got 15 that we've organized and or gone live on, because Ricky does the same thing in all parts of his life. Once you start something, he doesn't want to do it once. He wants to do it 500 times. Uh, but we're on course number 15 on Udemy. So I work with experts, helping them to take their knowledge, turn it into online video courses that millions and millions of people around the world can uh, watch and learn and change the world in that way through education. Uh, so that's all I have to say about that, and let's move on to the next intro.
Okay, before we do the intros, I want to quickly uh, share about the hashtag, Digital Nomad Mastery hashtag, and also about the prizes. Uh, if you want to do the prizes, Scott, uh, and then we'll go to the intros one by one. Uh, we have over $3,000 US uh, off prizes, so go ahead, Scott. What are we giving away today? Okay, Alani Lee is giving three masterclass trainings, which are a $400 value. James Martel is giving away two manuals, his podcast mastery training manuals, which are worth $97 each. Uh, Ricky and Scott are giving away 10 of our live, we have 10, we actually have eight live courses and one related course by a mutual friend of ours. So nine courses that we're giving away for $1,800 value. Uh, Pam is giving away a 30-minute consultation, which is a $30 value, and she's going to drill down and find your most pressing needs and how to prioritize them to help you uh, move forward in delegation. And she's also offering her outsourcing book. And Jonas is giving a 50% discount on all of his digital nomad guides. That's a great value uh, to, to everybody, so we'll make sure everyone can get that. Lady is giving away one family pass for up to four family members for the Project World School Family Summit. So if you do uh, homeschooling, I'm assuming, but on a world, like what Ricky, you're doing, on a world scale, then uh, let us know. This is a very special uh, prize and we wanna make sure we give it to somebody who's actually gonna be going. The summit is taking place October 22nd to 26th in Chiang Mai, Thailand, or March 4th to March 8th in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. <laughs> I want to go just to be in either one of those two places. This is a family conference for world schoolers by world schoolers coming together to discuss issues important to us like education, health, location, independence, and travel. It's the best way to create community for the whole family so that families feel supported wherever they are on their journeys. And I think I remember when we talked to her about this. This is really cool stuff. Uh, Joan Kaler is going to give away a free consultation worth $100 and one of her courses, which she and, and I have worked together on. And to give you an idea of the courses that Ricky and I are uh, giving, uh, giving out, is number one, Daddy Blogger, How to Be a Good Dad. <laughs> and if you want to learn more about doing courses like what I do, we have Udemy Mastery, Successfully Create Courses, the unofficial course. And then we have a number of our digital nomad courses, digital nomad traveling, uh, moving to Colombia long term, which we did with a friend of ours, uh, Grego Amos. How to be, sorry, let me go back to the digital nomad ones. Conversations with digital nomads, where we sit down and talk to digital nomads about all things nomadic. Travel the world free, you're almost free for as long as you want. And digital nomad blog mastery and blog traveling. How to become an Amazon bestseller and brand mastery which by the way we're gonna make sure everyone gets a copy of it went live like two days ago and i held it back because i wanted to add to our celebration by making sure everybody got a copy of it at this event and uh, i mentioned joan was giving away a course it's eft for business entrepreneurs tapping away tapping your way to success <sighs> and there you have it ricky all right. Thanks, my friend. I know it was a mouthful. Uh, thank you for sharing that. But hey, that is a lot of value. So to, to enter the uh, contest in the draw, just leave a comment now. Where in the world are you watching from? Which city, which country? And uh, that will be the first prize. Um, you just uh, leave a comment saying um, which city, which country you're watching from. 
and we're gonna pick after we do all the intros we're gonna pick the first winner so you guys uh, because you're early movers first mover advantage you've joined uh, right at the beginning you got a good chance of winning a prize here so what we're gonna do now is get to know all of our guests uh, you know in turn we're just gonna do a quick intro like uh, you know 30 seconds to a minute only just to respect the time uh, we can't do five minutes intros each otherwise we'll be here until a long time so let's just do 30 seconds to a minute uh, to respect everyone's time so I'm just gonna name uh, the people uh, instead of doing it randomly so uh, Farzana is joining us from Africa so we have Costa Rica represented by Scott myself over here in Manila Philippines Farzana is over there in Africa so go ahead and do a quick introduction Farzana uh, I'm actually uh, I was born in Kenya uh, and uh, grew up here I moved to Canada to Vancouver and I lived half my life in Kenya and half my life in uh, Vancouver. Uh, I started a company called Ariane Tours and uh, we're opening an office here in uh, Kenya, back home in Mombasa, beautiful Mombasa. Uh, it's beautiful and warm here. Um, I love traveling. I started Africa Travel Chat where I chat about uh, different countries every week in Africa there's 54 countries in Africa and there's so much to see it's a very diverse uh, continent uh, from animals to culture to food and I just love traveling and uh, I love the continent of Africa and that's why I decided to move down here with my son amazing you know uh, Farzana is actually gonna show us a view a little bit later about the the view of the ocean and uh, Chantal is going to show us a view of the Swiss Alps. So, Chantal, you're joining us over there from Switzerland in Europe. Go ahead. Hey, everyone. So, yeah, I'm Chantal Patton. Uh, we're growing up without borders, and we have, we're a family of five. So, my husband and my three kids, and uh, we travel around the world and recently started our YouTube channel to kind of go along with it. And um, we've been digital nomads since, gosh, I want to say like 2008 right after uh, everyone's read the famous book from Timothy Ferris, The 4-Hour Workweek, and we kind of set off and, and started kind of moving around officially from Canada. We were living in Florida, and then we went on this five-week holiday to Europe for what was supposed to be five weeks, and we just never stopped. And so <laughs> there's who we are, and uh, we're just sharing our travel, our passion for travel with the world. And so we just got back from Africa, actually. We did 10 countries. And uh, you're right, it was so diverse, it was amazing. And uh, yeah, if anyone wants to follow us, join us at Growing Up Without Borders. You guys and want to see the view or do you want me to show the view after? Go ahead, uh, you, you're already uh, there, so let's see the view. It's quite- Let me show beautiful. you guys the view of these, the Swiss Alps. So I'm right now, we're leaving tomorrow. So this is my last day to take it all in, right? But we're right now in the French Riviera in Switzerland. These are the Swiss Alps behind me, and I'm not sure if I do this way, if you get a good view or if the sun is too bright. That's France in the distance over there. And this is all Switzerland, so it's just beautiful. Stunning, I know BC is the same, but you know, I'm Ontario side, so we don't have the, uh, the beauty of the, the mountains like, like you guys do in BC, so we, we enjoy it here. Awesome. Thanks, Chantal. What a view. What a view. Uh, what's amazing is we have no repeat countries yet. <laughs> so we have Brian who's joining us from Beijing, China. Yes, represent over there in China. Go ahead, Brian. 
Yes, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. A couple of times coming together for this uh, monument, these stepstones that you've been going through. So definitely appreciate your having me. And it was great meeting you in Costa Rica as we were traveling the world as well in person. That was excellent. Uh, I've been traveling the world with my family. We've been digital nomads for a little over six years. First did a quick whirlwind of 20 countries, five continents. My boys were eight and five. And it's been wonderful. We've lived in Costa Rica, South Africa, Thailand, currently living in Beijing, China, which is probably the biggest adjustment of anything. Uh, my goal really is just to go through and inspire more families to travel and see the world and see, you know what, you can travel with children, you can travel and enjoy these things, which, which I know, uh, Ricky, you're very passionate about as well, too. So definitely looking forward to adding a little bit here. Uh, you can find me at brianwalt.com, and I'm looking forward to speaking with everybody else, too. Yes, that was super cool because uh, me and Brian, we were just digital friends, uh, but then when I was over there in Costa Rica, we became physical, as they say. IRL, IRL in real life. <laughs> so we're buddies and we're not yeah. too far. It doesn't happen often enough. <laughs> yes. Beijing, Manila, two capitals over here in Asia. So I'm sure our paths are going to cross soon. Uh, so we got Dan. Uh, he is joining us from the U.S. Represent America in the house. Go ahead, Dan. Hey, thanks, Rudy. Thank, Ricky, thanks for having me. Joining you from the uh, campus of Purdue University um, in West Lafayette, Indiana. So about an hour north of Indianapolis. I don't have a great view at all, <laughs> but uh, the, cam the campus is beautiful. I just don't have any views of it from my window. Um, so uh, joining you from the Anthem of the Adventurer podcast, that's my side project, uh, encouraging and challenging men to embrace adventure in their lives um, on an everyday basis, uh, so they can show up best for their families, um, whether that's travel or you know outdoor recreation or just having a difficult conversation with your wife. <laughs> Um, adventure is really important. So it's, I mean, that's taken me from uh, snorkeling it at night with the Navy SEAL a few weeks ago down in Florida to sitting down on the couch having a uh, conversation with my wife about our future and how we want to you know, grow our family. We're about to have our third child here any day now. Um, she's, she's doing 11 days, so about to have a new adventurer in the family. We've got a boy and a girl already, so yeah, we're just uh, just happy to be here. Thanks for uh, inviting me along, Ricky. And it was awesome having you on, on my show as well. And thank you for all of the great introductions to uh, all of your network as well. This is, this is great. Just glad to be here. Yeah, thank you, Dan. Uh, definitely congratulations on your baby that's due in uh, 11 days. Uh, early congrats from all of us over here. Uh, we got uh, the Philippines in the house. We got Pam. Uh, go ahead, Pam. Hi, before anything else, I would like to thank Ricky and Scott for having me here. And so it's going to be challenging because I only have 60 seconds. Um, so my name is Pam. I am based here in the Philippines and I'm running a business um, with my, my business partner who is based in Canada, Vancouver, David Monteith, who is also there. Um, so basically, we just provide, um, you know, online ninjas to business owners. We're kind of like we say we're kind of like an extension of the business owner's company by providing them a team, a team they can trust. And the goal is, you know, to help entrepreneurs um, learn how to delegate tasks, free up their time, and at the same time, give jobs to my fellow countrymen here in the Philippines. And this type of business is, you know, very ideal for, for me and David because 
eventually we would like to, to travel the world. But of course, love your own first. I'm telling David, let's explore the Philippines first because we've got like 7,000 islands. So there you go. In a nutshell, that's it. Philippines is amazing. It's my fifth visit here and I married a Filipino and so did Dan over there. So we love the Philippines. If you haven't been, make sure you check out this amazing country here in Southeast Asia. Jonas in the house. Uh, he is the founder of the Digital Nomad Guides and he's joining us from Germany. Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me, Ricky. So yeah, um, shortly about myself, I'm originally from Germany and I'm a digital nomad now for about four years. I lived in Australia for a year and then was for two years in South America where in Colombia I met Ricky. I think we were already in the same city in Medellin, had, uh, <laughs> had a podcast online and then met a few days later in real life. And yeah, I work as a freelance web developer, but I also write uh, digital nomad city guides where as a digital nomad, you can have one resource where you can find all the information, where can you work, what SIM card you need, etc., etc. And very recently I have started a new project. It's called Digital Nomads the Game. And it's about a video game where you can learn to become a, a digital nomad. But uh, this is still in the very early stages, so there's not much to show yet. But yeah, this is a new side project I'm about to start. Yeah, that's me in a nutshell, keeping it short. Dankeschön. Thank you, my friend. Uh, it was great to meet you <laughs> over there in Medellin, Colombia, of all places. Uh, one of the biggest digital nomad hotspots in the world, Medellin. So we got Lucas, the coach's coach, uh, joining us from Vancouver, BC, Canada. Go ahead, Lucas. I'll unmute myself. Hear me? Ricky, thanks so much for, uh, for inviting me over. I know we connected, it wasn't even that long ago, a few weeks ago on your podcast, correct? That is correct. Oh, my sound's weird. If you can hear me, okay, cool. Yeah, so I'll try to keep under 30 seconds. Uh, honestly, I am based in Canada. I started my online business. I love coaching. I've been coaching for six, seven years, but I started my online business from a six-month motorcycle trip down to Panama. And when I got to Panama, completely broken, I was like, I got to turn this business into an online business. Started my health and fitness business uh, three years ago, switched into helping other coaches build their business. And since then, we've just been helping thousands of coaches build their online business. Awesome. So if you're interested in getting into online coaching, Lucas has some amazing training. He'll be talking about that uh, shortly. Joan, joining us from the U.S. Go ahead, Joan. Hi, everybody. Hi, Ricky and Scott. Congratulations. Fantastic achievement. I'm a therapist in Pennsylvania, but what I'm really excited about is a few years ago in 2015, I was invited to teach on Udemy. So I have Udemy courses. I have a wonderful podcast called Life Without Limits. I'm an energy healer. So I balance chakras. I do all the weird stuff that people think is weird, but really isn't. I'm the electrician for the human energy system, balancing chakras, clearing biofields, the tapping thing with emotional freedom techniques. I'm really excited because I teach around the world, both in person and through the computer. So I'm so awed at all you experts because I'm going to be traveling the world teaching emotional freedom techniques. Beautiful. Thank, 
Yeah. Thank you, Joan. Uh, we got David. He's actually my friend from uh, Wagyard Dads, a Vancouver Dads group over there in Vancouver. Uh, welcome, David. Go ahead. Good morning. Thanks, Ricky. Um, yeah, Ricky and I have known each other for probably five years, maybe six years uh, from here in Canada. Uh, I'm a Canadian currently based in Canada. Uh, my business partner, um, just spoke to you guys a few minutes ago, Pam from the Philippines. Uh, so I won't talk a whole lot more about that business um, other than to say that we're working really hard to be able to be a little bit nomadic. I'm jealous of all of your stories and I can't wait to join your ranks of uh, being able to check in on events like this from someplace other than my basement here in Canada. <laughs> we were looking for the view from the basement. Uh, you know, we've seen some amazing views so far. Uh, we got Chris. Chris is always joining us from a random place in Eastern Europe. He is the guy who wrote the book about digital nomadism. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, uh, hello everyone, and uh, hello everyone watching. Uh, I am Chris Baki. It does rhyme with hockey. Uh, I am a game designer, formal travel, former travel blogger, author of about. 20 odd books at this point uh, and the most recent one that I've written is called Becoming a Digital Nomad. It is a step-by-step -step guide aimed at anyone that's thinking about the journey, anyone that's thinking about going from wherever you are to the nomadic lifestyle. All of you here uh, are thinking about it in some way, whether you're looking at it from a this might happen in the future standpoint to a I just need to get this started now as soon as possible. So uh, the, the second edition is coming out in November and it's going to be focusing on the diverse group of people that make this lifestyle for them. It's not just for 20 or 30 something white men. It is for every age, every gender, every sexuality, every nationality. It is for anyone that's willing to put in the time and effort to make it happen for themselves. Well, there you go. If you need a podcast, check out ours. If you need a book, uh, check out Chris's uh, Guide to Being a Digital Nomad. We'll have a link uh, below uh, for the guide. Uh, we got Ezio. Ezio is representing India, Calcutta, India. She is a kids illustrator. Go ahead, Ezio. Uh, just remember to unmute yourself uh, and if you are going to be speaking and remember to mute yourself when you stop speaking. Go ahead, Ezio. Okay. okay. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm from Kolkata. My actual name is Sangamitra Dasgupta, but you can call me Ezio. That is my Facebook name. First of all, let me introduce myself. I am a children's book illustrator. And yes, I wrote some books, but I am basically an illustrator who is working from like since the age of five. And it's been a long journey of 26, 27 years. So yes, uh, it's a very, um, I think I must say, first of all, Mr. Ricky Shetty, a very heartiest congratulations for your 500 episode. And thank you for inviting me and to meet each and everybody of you. And thanks a lot. That's what I can say. So if you need a kids book illustrator, definitely go talk to Ezio. It's great to have, a, you know, the United Nations here, literally from around the world. We got Annie Poole. Annie has such an amazing story of overcoming cancer through the power of travel. Go ahead, Annie.
know you, Ricky, since, okay, <laughs> just got unmuted. Um, thank you, Ricky, it's so great to be here. And you and I met actually in Vancouver at one of your meetups back in, I think it was 2016. And since then, I've, I've written a book called Passport to Life, How I Overcame Incurable Cancer Through the Power of Travel. And I've also um, drilled down the, the um, process that I use to overcome incurable cancer, and I've called it the Adventure Principle. And so it's something that I'll be teaching to cancer patients um, to help them eliminate fear and anxiety when they're going through chemo, radiation, or surgery. And so I've been a digital nomad ever since 2015 when I sold my condo in Victoria. I've been in Victoria for the last year, um, but as you can see, <laughs> I'm on the move again because I'm going to go to Kelowna first and then travel on to other places. So I also like to say that um, even though I didn't have the health or the wealth of the time, since then, since that incurable cancer diagnosis, I've been able to travel to, I think it was at least 20, 20 countries, about 30 cities. So um, I plan to keep on going. <laughs> yeah, what a story. She has an amazing book uh, which outlines the story of her journey from overcoming incurable cancer to being cured and now traveling the world. So amazing, amazing, amazing. We just had Christy Manuel joining. Just a little backstory. Dai was the first ever guest on episode 100. Dai is in the midst of a Vispana uh, retreat, and Christy is in the house from Bali, Indonesia, representing. Go ahead, Christy. Hello, hello. Am I just saying hi and congratulations to all these people crushing and living life like on their terms? You can do a quick one-minute intro about yourself, Dai, and your journey to travel the world with your kids. Go ahead, one minute. All right, we're three years into living life differently, and we are from Vancouver, Canada, and we quit our corporate jobs three years ago, August, and December will be three years since we started living out of suitcases, and this past year, it brought us to renting a villa for one year in Bali, and now we are just uh, learning to kind of figure out community here, and though we work online with a lot of our coaching programs and things that we do through the health and wellness space and business development space. We are moving towards retreats and workshops and just connecting with um, different cultures and meeting people from, we thought we would actually venture and travel the world. And it turns out we've landed in Bali and are just meeting everyone from around the world that comes here. And our kids just recently engaged in school here, whereas before we were public system. And then when we left Vancouver, we are doing um, life schooling and just learning through living. So that's kind of the quick dirt down and dirty. They're 13 and 15 where you don't meet a lot of people doing teenage travel. So school helps with the social scene. I loved all these introductions just based on the variety, the diversity, the amount of different cities, countries, and continents represented. It's just uh, amazing that we've all come together here through the power of technology. You know, uh, the Zoom uh, technology is amazing. The fact that we all connected, the internet seems to be holding up and uh, it's so powerful. I encourage everyone to actually watch and listen to all the episodes. So everyone here has been a guest. Uh, so you can actually go back. If you are really interested in one particular story, then you can actually, uh, listen or watch the entire 
30 to 40 minute episode. So we are giving away a whole bunch of prizes and our first prize is, Scott? Had the wrong screen up, I had to look for myself to unmute myself. The first prize is, what should our first prize be? Three masterclass trainings by Alani Lee, worth well, $397, $400, and we need a winner. So our first winner is Christine Gulan Fiera. Our second winner is from Houston, Texas, Azil DeBasso. And our, well, our third winner, it's a little bit prejudiced on my part, is another Scott, Scott Swanson, who said, congratulations on your 500th podcast. What a great milestone. So I'll be uh, private messaging all of them with uh, the information that they need. Congratulations. This is what you get for joining us live and also taking action by leaving comments. So encourage you guys. What I'm going to do next is the next prize is going to go to someone who shares this live stream. Uh, so go ahead, click the share button, and Scott's going to look at all the people who shared, and he's going to pick one winner for the next prize. So now what we're going to do, we've heard all the introductions, so we're going to open it up a little bit. So it's not just, okay, one person, one person. We're going to open it up to more of a dialogue, a discussion, a conversation. And I, uh, what I wanted to talk about is this whole area of preparation and leaving suburbia, comfort, safety, security, to go into the unknown and travel the world. We, you know, like uh, most of the people here have done it or are considering doing it. So who here has done it in terms of they thought about traveling the world, they're on the road and wants to share what did it take from a mindset perspective, from an actual logistical perspective? Uh, who wants to jump in and share how did you prepare to travel the world as a digital nomad? Go ahead, Farzana. Um, since I've just been traveling, it's only been uh, a month and a half since I left home. Uh, it was a challenge, I would say for sure, uh, trying to pack a little five-year-old, trying to cut back his toys, moving from a two-bedroom and traveling with only four suitcases between the two of us was a huge challenge. Having said that, I mean, I'm back home again. I mean, Mombasa is, is home, so I know a lot of people here. Um, but yet the culture shock for both my son and I um, is, is huge, uh, especially for my son, because he went from a school with uh, different rules and regulations, different ways of doing things to a private school with uh, uniforms and uh, a warmer uh, country, different, um, uh, everything is different. The language is different. The food is different. Everything is different. So yes, it is a, a, it is a huge culture shock. It is a huge change, but it is an amazing experience, I must say, because you get to meet new people. You get to see new places. You get to see different things and, uh, you know, uh, uh, something new every day, I must say. Alrighty, the floor is open. Whoever wants to jump in, I'm not going to moderate it. Go ahead and jump in in terms of how do you want to respond? How do you want to add? What do you want to say? Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, so um, just so I literally wrote the book called Becoming a Digital Nomad. So I have a few thoughts. Uh, one thing that I've found uh, both in terms of 
researching and talking to nomads that have done it and appreciating just how unique the journey can be for each person is that any 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 guide you, you see is really going to be focused on kind of the generic averageness and whatever. And of course, each person has to figure out the best way to pack their five-year-old into uh, in, in so you know think think about how to uh, minimize toys. You know, I'm married and in my 30s. I don't have children, so that's that's not a thing I had to think about. Instead, I had to think about how do I take all of these games that I've designed and pack them into a bag. Um, so there's there's some of that, but um, really. What I would encourage people to think of, if you're listening to this, uh, if you're looking at the digital nomad journey, you know, look at the checklists, look at the advice that people have given, and then use that as a basis to form your own path because you're going to have your own unique experiences, your own unique reasons, your own unique challenges, your own unique strengths and benefits. Your journey will not look like anyone else's in the world, and because of that, no other checklist will ever fit you perfectly um now that said i have broken it down into seven steps and one of those steps that i think uh needs to be talked about more often is this notion of just taking the taking a test as a nomad so going to a different city a different state a different province a place where you don't know anyone and things are just different enough uh to be interesting uh you know Take that test. Get a, get an Airbnb for a week or two, or stay at a hotel or a hostel or whatever, and try your best to live as a nomad in your home country, but just the next city over, the next state over, and treat this as the the working vacation it might well be. You know, um, before you spend a lot of money on a plane ticket taking you to Thailand or somewhere else, and before you sell your car, before you get rid of everything. Take, take the time to make sure this lifestyle is for you before making the, the huge investment in time and effort that it is. Hi, can I, can I hop in? Yeah, Naily actually just joined us. Why didn't you do a, a quick introduction uh, about yourself? Where are you joining for us from? And uh, do a, share a little bit more about yourself. Okay, brilliant. Thanks, Ricky. Hi, everyone. I'm in the UK. I'm originally from Cape Town. A um, little bit of a tropper, trotter, not tropper, trotter. <laughs> but I've not done um, what some of you have already done, which is to go all the way and to become a total digital nomad with your entire lives. Um, uh, I'm a transformative leadership coach. I work with leaders from across the world, uh, people who um, are already successful, they are inspiring, they're heart-centered. Um, many of them have a spiritual calling on their lives and a really significant difference to make. But I work with people from Olympic teams to um, head of the UK military to private individuals and anybody who's perhaps wanting to midwife something new in the world. And how Ricky and I, uh, we, Ricky and I have only known one another very briefly. And um, a mutual friend, Darren Jacklin, introduced us. And um, I've been writing a book. And recently, I've been conducting a neuroscience experiment, a neuroscience and quantum physics uh, research project for my book. And he's been going through it. And amazing inspiring results and I have his permission to actually say 
say anything about this. So it's not breach of confidentiality. Um, I'm flying out to re re uh, to meet Ricky in a week's time. In a week's time, I will be in the Philippines. So the freedom of being one's own agent and um, and then I'm going to, the day after I arrive, I'm going to be doing a, a speaking gig with Ricky as well, um, Manila Nights. And then the day after, Ricky's presenting um, um, an event, a workshop, which I'm presenting as part, a part of that as well. Um, and then I come back after two weeks or just over two weeks, I come back to the UK for a week and then I fly back out to Brussels. I've been invited to be on a panel of experts contributing to social entrepreneurs um, and digital entrepreneurs um, from, from Belgium, Bulgaria, the UK, and Greece. I used to live in Belgium, so that's my just idea of heaven. I've fallen in love with Bulgaria, where I've been recently. Um, uh, I think if I want to say anything about this, it's that I think I would have gone full hog if it were not for. Um, really significant health challenges that I've been having. And in fact, the reason why I'm late to this meeting is because I've just been for another health check, which, um, yeah. Um, and I'd love to go full out, but I do find, not but, and I find traveling can be really stressful on the body and on the health. And um, it sucks. Yeah, it sucks. I wish it weren't the case, but it, it, it can be. Um, I meditate daily, uh, mostly twice a day as well, and um, it has a massively beneficial impact on my health. Um, what was I I think I think I don't want to sort of hog the hog the line. I don't know that I necessarily have a significant point to make here, other than Ricky, you inspire me enormously. I can't wait for the work that we're going to be doing together both ways, not just me receiving, but me continuing to support you in what you're creating. And uh, I think Ricky, I think many of you may know about the amazing success Ricky had with his uh, with the invitation to be TED speaker. And that came about the night before our final session. And we had been focusing on his professional visibility and so on. And the timing was just so exquisite. So, um, yeah, I think if I want to, want to say anything, it's that for those of you who are doing it uh, or those of you thinking of doing it, I find it really inspiring. You have my utmost respect. Um, there's a lady from Kenya, I want to say, Jambo Dada, Jambo. <laughs> you may be probably, well, you may recognize um, Yeah, and Ricky, may I, talk, may I talk very briefly about the Neuroscience Project just to help people realize how it can accelerate what they're doing? Can I mention uh, that? Or is uh, it kind of quickly, outside just, of context? Yeah, it's kind of out of context, but if I'll give you... Then I'll, I'll leave it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you can have a minute. No, I'll leave it. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, no, no. It's cool. I'd rather leave it home. Okay, no worries. Thank so, you for thank introducing you. yourself and thanks for sharing. And uh, especially thank you for uh, sharing about the health challenges 
because we are actually discussing this whole area of like preparing for a life of uh, being a digital nomad world traveler. And of course, one of the barriers to that is the money barrier. Uh, there's also the health barriers, maybe aging parents barriers. So there's a mindset barrier, you know, if you have a home barrier, right? So I'm glad you brought that up and uh, we'll, we'll get into more of that. If anyone wants to address that, if they had health issues and they were able to overcome that in terms of travel, feel free to bring it up. Anyone want to, or if not, I wanted to actually I think I, go ahead. If I'm, if I'm able to jump in for a second, just to drop a little bit of value, cause I got to go here in 10 minutes or so I'll be back. Um, and anyone's totally welcome to jump in on the discussion because everybody in here, I think will have overcome the, the rewiring of like a lifetime of this is how it's supposed to be. Like get a job, do your thing, like all these things. And I know when someone wants to start an online business or start moving or start traveling, they go into this panic that, you know, what if it doesn't work? This isn't normal. Everyone around you is telling you that's not normal. That's not safe. Think about, I don't have kids, but I know I've met some people with kids and it's just like, people think I'm a horrible parent because I'm taking them out of the school system or we're anything. And it's just like this crazy, I think we've all overcome that everyone on this video, but anyone listening that maybe is stuck in that, I would start looking for people like connect with everyone on this video chat here. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah, cool. And just like realize that, you know, 99% of the people around you are probably in the jobs and they're living that cookie cutter life. And if that might be fine for them, but if you have something inside you, that's just like, I gotta get, I'm going to try not to curse, but I got to get out of this job. I got to do something. I would connect with communities and you'll find so many people who are living life differently and just realize that it's possible. And it just pains me when I see someone who wants to do something, but they're just, whether that's starting an online business, travel, whatever that is, um, stuck in this really fear-based mentality. So if you're listening, you know, connect with everyone on here and freaking ask them questions. I'm sure everybody's going to be more than happy to, share their experience um and i know that that you know luckily that happened to me through just sheer pressure of traveling and, and need to make money but yeah that's all i'd say is rewire 25 or 20 years or 40 years depending how old you are of just this programming that society has just set into your little freaking brain 60 years so big. 60 years right and and it's it's incredible like yeah anyway so i'm sure this group everyone in here will be able to help somebody out yeah, Lucas is going to actually come back later after his coaching calls to talk more about how you guys as digital nomads can actually become business life coaches. He has some amazing programs. He's going to offer some free, I repeat, free training to everyone who sticks around. So stand the money by. Side, like the money side is yeah. so important. People hate talking about money, but if you're not making money and if you don't love money and if you can't make more of it, like you cannot fulfill your purpose. You can't help more people. You can't you know, screw the travel part. Like, that's great. Like, that's self-centered. But if you can focus on serving others and helping others, you can have a life that you've never dreamt of um, and all the money you want to go along with it. I know everyone in this group is, is probably doing that. But uh, but people listening, everyone, everyone, I get to ask this question. Probably all you guys get asked this question. Like, how do I make money online so I can travel? And I always just, like, delete block now. Like, I just don't care. I'm looking for the question, how can I serve more people? How can I help more people? Um, and money will not be a problem at all. Cool. Uh, I'd like to jump in a little bit about the health uh, part because uh, I left. I left a month after Ricky did, which would have been around January of 2017, so almost two years ago. 
And uh, I had a couple times when I had really bad colds, a little bit of flu, uh, stomach, something. And um, what I noticed when I was traveling, so I mean, it's not like, oh, I've been totally, uh, you know, on super energized and everything else the last 18 or 20 months. That hasn't been the case. Uh, but what I noticed was different places affected me differently. And when I was living in Vancouver, I, I think it's a combination of environment and water and food. Uh, whatever I was eating in Vancouver would cause me to break out in pimples. So here I am, 60 odd years old with acne. And it was really, really frustrating. And then I noticed when I was in Italy and then when I was in Turkey and when I was in Kenya, clear, clear skin. And I wish that I was more of a journalist, a journaler, and had journaled what foods I was eating, where I was eating, and my skin condition, because it was just amazing to me that after like five years of having a pimple here and a pimple here and a pimple here, you know, uh, I had 18 months where almost never had any of that sort of stuff. So I think when you're traveling, one of the cool things is, is that there can be healthier environments that you end up being in. And if you're aware, and paying attention, you go, wow, like when I'm in Belize, for whatever reason, I am just super healthy. And yet when I'm in, pick another place, I don't want to prejudice any place. Uh, I'm not, you know, I get sick or whatever. And it's really interesting because we live, most people live so much in one place, they think that's normal. And, you know, maybe that achy knee you've got or the cold that you're always getting is because you're in that particular place and it won't happen when you're in another place so the whole health and mental health too uh, is it's just really really interesting like a friend of Ricky and I's uh, in Medellin uh, was bipolar but when he lived in New York but he's in Medellin and he's either very little bipolar compared to before or not it kind of depends I don't know him enough to say you know but he says I'm not bipolar and I'm not on any meds and I, I'm everything else. And it's because I don't know what he eats, his mind when he's in, like there's just something different being in a different place. And I find that whole aspect of, and I'm glad that you brought it up about health because I never really thought about it much before just now, but different places I think can have really different and different, the foods, right? Like, for example, I have a friend in Canada who cannot eat bread. He just breaks out and uh, like pimples like me. I guess that's why he's my friend. And, and it's just awful. I mean, he'll be red here, red here, he'll have pimples and everything else. So he goes to Italy and he looks at the past, uh, past he can't bread, wheat, basically, right? He can't eat pasta, he can't eat bread. And he gets there and he looks, oh, I'm in Italy, how can I not eat I'm going to regret this for a month. And he eats this great bowl of spaghetti and nothing happens. And he discovers that the wheat in Italy is the same wheat that they grew 2,500 years ago. And it's a law in Italy that the bread and the pasta and everything else has to be Italian wheat grown the same way it's grown for millennia. So there's none of this GMO. There's none of this stuff that is not changing or nothing that we've done like we've done in North America. And he goes, hey, I don't have a problem with wheat. I have a problem with North American. If he hadn't gone to Italy, he would never have known that. So I think the whole health issues. What's that? He has a problem with Monsanto, and they're trying really <laughs> hard to put their seeds in the Italian 
farmlands so that they can say that's my seed and that that seed has been patented and therefore now I own your your harvest right but it's yeah. crazy it's absolutely it insane is. that's one of the reasons that encouraged us to be far away from from the US when we were there because we started to notice our bodies were transforming and we were like what's going on and I was having issues and and I don't have any of that in Europe and we just, you eat normal food and you live life. And by living life and moving, you just are healthy, more or less healthy, I want to say. But it's totally true. I think the, the weather can affect you, the sunshine, having warm water maybe, like all those things, right? Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Ricky, Scott, if I can share something, because it's almost midnight here, and I'm going to jump off the call in, in a few minutes. Um, it's 11.52 p.m. here in the Philippines. So I, I just want to add something about what Chris and Lucas said and about the health issue thing. So I, I was working at a digital marketing company before, and I was confined in an office and I would leave the house at 7 before 8 a.m. I've got two kids. I would leave the house before 8 a.m. And sometimes I would come home not until 11 p.m. So that was my, my, my life for almost two years until I decided it's not going to work. I want to work from home again. I want to start my, my own business and travel, plan a trip, pack and go anytime I want. And since then, when I resigned my job, um, I was able to do that. I would work from home. I would go to a coffee shop. I would go to a different town and work there. Um, when David visited the Philippines, we, we, we stayed in a different town and we were able to work online and we were able to travel. And I think it's, it's very important also if you really you know, if you really want something and if you really want to travel, you need to make it happen. It's just a matter of time management. There was a time um, in, I think it was last year, correct me if I'm wrong, I can remember right now, it's almost midnight. Um, I traveled with my kids. I've got a 13-year-old and 14-year-old kids. We traveled and went to Singapore. So it was, you know, plain pleasure um, we went to Universal Studios, and at the same time, I was also running my business. I was doing my, my work. I was doing everything remotely, and it was, I felt so good. You know, I'm no longer confined in an office where everybody's smoking. I was, I was able to quit smoking after I resigned from that job. So it's really, I, I'm like smoke-free for two years already so you know I, I think yeah really it's it's good job for me <laughs> so you know it's really about where you are I think your environment and you know the, the mind is very powerful if you want to to make a change you need to take action and I got tired from working at an office eight to five job actually it's not just eight to five job it's taking up a lot of my time. I was able to work from home, travel anytime I want. I haven't gone much outside of the country, but that is my, my goal in the future. That's why me and David, that's why um, we started this business. So 
that's it. I just want to share that with you guys. That was awesome. I'm going to riff off that a little bit before I have to go too, but um, I wanted, wanted to talk about how like the kind of normal average like person will work 60 years just to enjoy, you know, maybe five, 10 years in retirement instead of all you awesome people and the people watching who are living for an exceptional life now, instead of, you know, sacrificing your, your time with your family, your, your travels, your dreams to just live a normal life. Like who wants to sacrifice 60 years of your life just to be normal, right? Why don't we join Ricky and this awesome community here and everybody watching to live an exceptional and uncompromised life now. So that's the mindset shift that, um, you know, folks here are, are working on uh, helping all of you prepare to. So go do it. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Uh, thanks for joining us. So we got Nathan who has joined us. He is the host of Be The Talk. And I just want to say he helped me also become a TEDx speaker. So shout out to Nathan. Go ahead and do your one minute intro. You are muted. Make sure you unmute. <laughs> Defaults. How about that? Thank you so much, Ricky. And congratulations on 500 episodes. And congratulations, Pam, for what you said uh, just now about getting free from smoking. Congratulations. I know he left. Dan has been crushing it. Uh, he's probably going to be next on the stage, but uh, a little bit about myself. I think I had interviewed Karen McGregor, who's a friend of Ricky's, uh, a, who is a uh, alumni, uh, a talk alumni of the TEDx stage. And that's what I do seven days a week. I've got uh, just under 300 recorded episodes right now. So I do that every single day. Ricky found out about me. I find out about his 500 episodes and that's how we connected. And, uh, you know, basically I haven't, can I, can I kind of drop something, Ricky? I don't want to steal any thunder because this is your 500th episode, but I, I've gotten clarity from talking with you about helping 100 people in the rest of 2018 to make their journey towards the stage. And many of them are even right here on this line. So that's really what I'm all about. It's time to monetize your message by simplifying your solutions. And you do that by taking action habitually towards your goals as so many of Ricky's friends are already doing. So that's a little bit about me. Um, I, I love the mission of being a digital nomad just because my wife and I, we've been to India together. Uh, I've been to Paraguay. I've been to Guatemala. I've been all over, but I haven't been able to habitually do that. So absolutely love it. Ricky, I think I'm over my time, so I'll put it right back to you. Thank you, Nathan. And if anyone's interested in being a TEDx speaker, Nathan's your guy to discuss that with. Um, we got Tuan in the house, joining us from the capital of Canada. Oh, Canada, Ottawa. Hey, everyone. How are you? Awesome. I'm, uh, I'm just in a client office here. Here's one of my colleagues here. Uh, I work with uh, dental offices. But uh, what am I supposed to do? Just say a bit about me. Is this the, a quick intro? Yeah, quick intro. One minute. Go ahead. All right. Uh, I'm... I mean, I work with dental groups, uh, mainly in the States, but uh, the nomad style, all, all through digital, all through the internet. 
but I run a tribe of business fathers who uh, own businesses, but who strive to be conscious at home and at work. And I provide them with an anonymous space where they could um, share and overcome some of their deepest challenges inside so they could show up the way they want to show up at work, at home, and for themselves. And that's pretty much it. You're also the biz dad. What about the biz dad? Uh, so yeah, that tribe is is uh, is all about uh, biz dads. I'm a biz dad as well, right? So uh, uh, the tribe is all entrepreneurs. So I have two. I'm, I'm hoping giving the right information here, uh, but I have two tribes. One's called the Sensei Group and the Dojang. And Sensei Groups are men who generate over a million dollars. And then Dojang is the the groups who are sub million. But we want to make sure they get to that financial goal without sacrificing their health, their the relationships with the people they care about. While the guys in the sensor group, like the smallest guys, 13 million and 26 staff, and uh, we now know that the equalizer is not money. It's it's the fact that we all want to be better men and better fathers and better husbands for those in relationships. And so, uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's been amazing to provide the space and for myself to grow too as a better, uh, you know, man in all, in all areas of my life. So this helps me. And my kids, of course, uh, you know, uh, do things uh, as we, you know, make money as we go from place to place. And we, I don't want to dive into that here now. But anyways, that's, that's kind of how I am able to do what I do. Awesome. Thank you, Tuan. Uh, Chantal, Christy, I wanted to ask you guys. You guys are traveling with the family. Chantal, she has an amazing story. She actually has her kids who have been to over 70 countries. And uh, Christy's over there in Bali with her teenage daughters, right? So Chantal, how did you prepare to travel with your uh, kids around the world to 70 plus countries as a family? Yeah, um, it's crazy, it's actually 90 and we're just about to embark tomorrow on another crazy trip. And so how do you prepare? Like last night, I, I just have to be upfront and completely transparent, I guess, because this is real and this is what happens. Like I'm, it's one in the morning and I'm saying to my husband, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to do this again. I can't live out of a small suitcase, blah, 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 you know, and I'm like freaking out. It's also because usually when we travel, it's like just like kind of digital nomad style, but now I'm going to be speaking at an event. Now I have to think of business attire, high heels. And I'm like, how do you fit all that in? Like that just doesn't work, you know? Um, usually we go with like very minimal amount of packing. Our girls are used to it now. So they're, they're used to, you know, today I was holding one of their books and I'm like, this is kind of heavy girls. Like, do you really need it? Like, <laughs> that's what we do. Like, it's all about being so minimalistic, but after a while that could be really taxing on ladies who like shoes and high heels and stuff, you know? Um, so how do you prepare? You just, do it and you overcome the fear because you, once you get going, you realize that you don't need everything and um, it is doable and the kids are so adaptable and the more that you do it, the more adaptable you come. Um, but I don't know. I, I think we're a little bit odd because like so many people are like, how do you guys do that? Like, this is crazy. I'll, sometimes we joke around and we're like, let's just pack up as if we're going away for like a weekend getaway and, and then, you know, our weekend ends up being longer, which is just nuts, but that's what we do sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I've interviewed over 500 guests now and uh, out of the 500, I have not met a family who's been to over 90 countries with a kid. So that's phenomenal. Good job there, Chantel. Uh, Christy's actually traveling with her teenagers. Yes, that is right. 
Wow, you know, it's hard enough to get your teenagers to come and have dinner with you, let alone travel the entire world. So how have you made that possible, uh, Christy and Di? There we go, we're unmuting at the same time. Um, yes, I agree with you, Chantel, on the minimalism and in the sense of the downsizing, because we were doing the long-term travel, uh, it was pretty enlightening to be like, why do we have so many bags of clothes? Why do we have so many bags of stuffed animals? Or um, my husband had over 70 pairs of shoes and now he has two. And those kind of things that you add, you put value to those items, right? Like you think, how hard did you work to purchase those? And how much is it going to take to replace those in the future? And so that was a huge prepared um, point in our life when we finally got rid of and just released and we packaged up stuff and then over six weeks time maybe eight weeks the kids all of a sudden forgot what was in those bags and then they no longer were as attached to the 120 stuffed animals and die finally gave up his shoes they went to goodwill and refugees and when they are going to special places you think it's okay it's a good thing and um but in the sense of we health to kind of touch on the earlier topic as well, we have an autoimmune condition in our family and um, juvenile arthritis. And so we have biologic medications that we weren't really willing to give up Canadian uh, medical for. And just three, $400 a shot tends to be a lot of money extra out of your pocket when you have to do it on a weekly basis. And so getting around that and figuring out the logistics on the health and medical side was a big one for us. And then after that, it was just as long as we had a legit passport that would have enough pages and over six months, well, we wanted over two years, but the country will usually allow you into a country if you have more than six months remaining on your passport and a couple forms of payment. When you kind of wrap your head around that and you realize that everywhere around the world has babies, everywhere around the world hurts themselves. So if you're fearful, whatever it is that you're fearful of, everywhere around the world deals with that. And so when you wrap your head mentally around, if I forget to pack black heels that go with this dress, then you can always find black heels somewhere. Uh, Halloween costumes, all those things that you feel attached to, we figured out ways in other places. And for the first two years, we pretty much were traveling out of our vehicle around North America and just realizing, I think the food was the hardest for us. Um, being specific style of eating in different areas, you have a lot of challenges to get certain items. And it's now taken us nine months in Bali and we've realized that you just have to ask the right people or find other sources that can provide um, like protein powders that are a little cleaner. That was our latest issue. But you can pack those too. Most countries, if they're sealed, you can get so when you have people coming to visit you, it's a great way. Or if you're meeting people somewhere along your travels, just be prepared enough to say, hey, anyone want to bring me some hemp hearts? Does anyone want to like bring over some of my favorite face cream? And whatever it is that you kind of hope those comforts of home or those things that you can't find, usually there's somebody, especially in a lot of the nomadic tribes on Facebook and getting around the communities. I think Dan said it earlier, preparing was a lot of feeding our mind with podcasts and similar things like yours and Scott's show here is just being surrounded by the people that are going to remove that doubt and that fear and feeding your mind with people that have already done it, are doing it. Um, most people are totally willing for you to reach out and say hi. And that was pretty much two years of me and my corporate job plugging in 
walk into work, listen to podcasts, listening to different blog posts, reading things, and then coming home and then playing it at dinner and letting Di and the kids hear it. And then they'd get excited. And since then, we've actually connected face to face with a number of the families that we stalked and creeped and inspired us along the way to now be living the current life that we are. So hopefully there are some nuggets there that some people can take away. There are some nuggets. Thank you for sharing. I wanted to shout out to our winner. So we've been giving out prizes throughout this episode. And the last prize for this was for a person who shared the link to the network. So Scott, who has won the prize and what is the prize? Our winner is from Osaka, Japan. Rahaft Zuhair, and I'm sure that I butchered it, but uh, <laughs> congratulations. And you have won EFT for business entrepreneurs tapping your way to success from Joan Kaler. So congratulations, Rahaf. I'll be uh, sending you the link shortly. Alrighty, time to announce the next contest. So we've been doing contests throughout the episode and we're going to be broadcasting for three hours and we still have a lot of prizes, some big ones coming up. So the next prize is going to be to the person who shares their favorite travel experience. You can just summarize in terms of two or three sentences, share it in the comment section. And Scott, my co-host, is going to pick one winner with the best travel story. Speaking of travel stories, we're here now in hour two and we're going to be talking about both travel highlights and travel lowlights because it isn't how you see it on social media. It isn't always sunny weather. It isn't always smiles and uh, positivity. There's going to be struggles, challenges, difficulties. So we're going to talk about the good and the not so good of travel. So let's start with the good. Uh, who wants to share their favorite travel story, experience, or memory out of all the cities, countries, and continents you've been in? Go ahead. Otherwise, I'm going to pick. Can I go? You may go. <laughs> um, I've traveled quite a few countries in, in Africa and I get invited a lot of times by different uh, tourism boards. And Malawi thus far has been my favorite country. Of course, Kenya is my number one because that's where I grew up. But Malawi was my most favorite country. It's still in its infancy stages in uh, tourism. There's probably only 10 or 15 hotels in uh, Lilongwe. And um, the people over there are very warm and welcoming. And I actually wrote an art article on it. And I called it Ma Lovey because there was a lot of love in that country. It's, it's just beautiful. It's got everything from food, culture, history. Um, and, and the people are just amazing. The roads are amazing, very well, uh, organized. Um, so I, I love Malawi. That, that was my favorite, uh, trip that I just, uh, took in April actually. How about I'll share, I'll share with you guys our little experience because we were in Malawi as well. And uh, you talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. So we had like all of it <laughs> in that country. So it was amazing. Like you said, like the people, and it's always about the people you meet while you're on the road, right? I mean, and, and the experiences that you experience and everything like that. So we had a lovely time there. We experienced it like the locals. We did uh, a bus with our, our three kids. And along the bus, you have chickens and fish that come in. And you have people with babies. And you're all crammed in. And, and it, was, it was just crazy. Um, and then 
the bad and the ugly was we ended up experiencing getting really sick for a whole week where we were just like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And so those are like kind of like the ups and downs of travel that can happen and that, you know, do happen sometimes when you're in different countries like that. So just to kind of touch on that a little bit, but we got some good medicine and we got over it pretty fast. We were just talking about that, though, the other day with the girls. Because they were like, Mom, what if that happens again? That's when I don't like to travel. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But, you know, you can get sick anywhere. You can be homesick at home or you can be sick on the road. You know, it's just sometimes you don't have all the comforts of home when you're stuck in the middle of somewhere without all those things that you have so readily available in other places. If no one else is going, I can tell you about my recent trip to Thailand last week. <laughs> so I had my iPhone, which captures a lot of your pictures and everything. And I've been getting the notification from the iCloud that I'm 149 days overdue and I'm maxed out. And luckily I do put mostly everything in the Dropbox. Um, so it's not the end of the world. But I walked onto a ferry in the Bangkok River to cross into a long boat, and I knew my phone was in my back pocket, and I thought, oh, I should hand this to my husband to stick it in his bag, and you should trust your gut, and there's always those circumstances, whether it be the phone or something else, that you first think of and then you don't act on. And it was really rocky, and the girls, we were trying to juggle, and as soon as my butt clipped the edge of the one boat, I turned, and sure enough, I could see my phone going, into this dirty, muddy, disgusting, like I'm sure German fested river. And I was like, oh, and then I thought I could grab it, but then my arm would have been jabbed between the two boats. And my husband lost his mind. And if anyone knows Dai, he's actually like a pretty chill, positive, cool guy. And he's like F-bombing this and just like, what the, like all this stuff. And it was a told you so moment. But after he recovered and he's like, I'm really sorry, I shouldn't have acted like that. And I'm like, it is just a phone. Could have been like a child or somebody else or, or even our passport would have been worse to try to replace. But a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, you lost your phone. I'd be over like at the end of the world because we're also social media connected and run our businesses online. And it's just been a really great learning to realize how much do you actually go to reach for your phone and really we are so well connected nowadays like telus is our provider back home they immediately messaged us my concern was not the device itself it was the chip because it's my canadian phone number and all my contacts and stuff through that um, whatsapp everything you set up on an app side of things sends verifications if anyone knows that it goes verifications to your phone so anyways those are all on the way i just have to wait for them to arrive and everything's gonna be fine but just backing up things because you are trying to capture so much with your travels and all that you do and then also remembering remembering that it's in your head and your heart that those are those stories that you remember it's not always capturing the physical picture to share if you have the right lighting or what have you so that was my maybe not so exciting story i don't know <laughs> Very exciting. Am I allowed to share quickly um, a hack to go along with that for everyone else who's considering leaving and traveling and so on and so forth? Because um, one thing we did is we, we got Google Voice phone numbers a long time ago. And so no matter, I know now it's easy with um, a lot of the cell phone plans and no roaming and such, but still a lot of countries, 
you know, you might not you might need to buy a new SIM card or what have you. And if you attach your WhatsApp number to your Google Voice, nothing will ever change. And so you can always keep that and have all your contacts on Google so that, you know, no matter when you add a contact on your phone, it's automatically synced with your Gmail account. Just everything, if you think everything in the cloud versus on your device. But we had the same thing happen. We were in South Africa and all, I, I did something really stupid with my phone. I didn't lose it or anything, but I lost all my photos on it because I crashed it somehow. And uh, that's, it's more about that content that's on there than the actual device, right? So. All righty. Anyone else want to jump in and share our travel experiences? I just want to remind everyone who's watching live on Facebook and other social media that we do have a contest. Whoever shares their best travel story, as uh, you know, by determined by Scott, is going to get a prize. So Scott's my co-host. He's doing it. I'm unbiased. I'm not going to pick the winner. So share your best story in the comments, and we are going to pick a winner for some amazing prizes, including coaching programs, including online courses, trainings, uh, eBooks. And more, and the value of these all these prizes is like three thousand plus U.S. dollars. So, who wants to share an experience next? Otherwise, I'm going to pick someone. <laughs> okay, there you go, Nayali. We haven't heard from Nayali in a while. Go ahead, Nayali. Hey there. This counts or not? It's something that began in. It's something that began in Kenya, and then continue to manifest when I came back here. So it, is that relevant? Or is it all going to be happening in what in the travels? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, cool. So I went to Niali Beach, um, where I was named after, just after I turned 40. I finally got to visit Niali Beach in Kenya. And um, I'd really longed to go for years. And thanks, Fazana. <laughs> um, and we stayed at this hotel right on Niali Beach, and the hotel manager was somebody who gave us extraordinary service. I mean, just really amazing, amazing service. And when it came time to leave, I said to him a couple of days before, we're going to be leaving you some clothes and bits and pieces, and um, um, is there anything else that I might be able to give you? Um, and he said, like, what? I don't know session and he said what's coaching so this was about yeah this was 10 years ago and um and I said well have you ever had a dream that you had to just shelve that you really wanted to so he was really interesting and his body language just went like this and then he looked up at me and he said I've never understood why God would give me a calling to become a community development worker, but never the means. And I said, all right, let's schedule some time in to have a coaching session. So we, I coached him the next day. And, um, and we agreed that I would continue to coach him pro, uh, uh, pro bono uh, when I got back to the UK. And he just got himself immediately, got, he got um, the IT guy at the hotel to create a Skype account. Anyway, the day after I arrived back home, I went to see a client and um, gave her a massage because I was also And then the day later, she phoned me and she said, Niali, would you pop by? I've got something for you. And I went in and she said, um, 
I told her about my friend Maoliti, and she said, um, oh, and Maoliti is Muslim, and Pam is Christian. And she said, I want to sponsor Maoliti's three years of studies for him to become a community development worker. So I messaged him, and he was just incredulous. And I didn't realize at the time, but not only did he have five children who are aware at boarding school all the time and a wife who doesn't generate an income, but he was also the eldest of 17 siblings and his parents were dead and he was the only one who had a really good job. So he was responsible for his whole family and all their children as well. And such an inspiring man. So I said to him, if there's anything else you need, just come to me. And if I can't help you, I'll put it to my community. So um, he went on to do his stuff. He managed to get to work, to start work earlier, six o'clock in the mornings. And, um, and then in the afternoons and evenings, he would go and study. And then he did his three years. And he also helped me uh, at one Christmas period where I said, to my friends and my family, I said, I'm not going to, give, going to be giving Christmas presents. I want to do something I've thought about for years and I want to give something to people who really, who will make a, a, a noticeable difference to their lives. So I spoke to my lady and he found children who needed to go to school, and, but his parents couldn't afford to fund them. So I shared it with my community, what I was doing. And all of a sudden there was a whole bunch of us from all over the world funding these girls to go to school. So Maolidi got really high marks. That was a kind of little thing on the side, and that happened for two years in a row. And then Maolidi had um, the idea that he wanted to do a master's in something. Didn't have the funding. Um, and he came to me and he said to me, Niali, um, I need a laptop for my studies. And I was thinking to myself, does he think I'm miss?" fucking money bags how am I just supposed to <laughs> and then I remember oh no Neil you did say come come to me anytime you need something so I shared it with my community and a very good friend of mine a woman who had been a client as well she said oh I want to buy him a laptop so instantly he had a laptop and then and then he said to me nearly um I want to build a school so I said of course you do so I continued to coach him and he, uh, little did I know that he was studying at the same time as working at the hotel, six, often seven days a week, and he built the school with his own hands. And then he said uh, he wanted to do another qualification, so we helped him with that a little bit, and he did a, another master's in something else. And then he still wasn't making much money, and started in it. And um, he insisted that all of the pupils have a meal at lunchtime because he said for many of them it's their only meal of the day. So I helped him with that. More recently, I've been trying to help him fund his um, science lab, but he has now children who have left the school, who have gone on for further, like to get professions. Um, and oh, there was another piece of, oh, that's right. He's also become a community lecturer, a, a, a university lecturer, at the same time as running the school and working full time in the hotel.
And this guy is just absolutely unstoppable and extraordinary. And I just, yeah, I really wanted to share that. So there I was thinking I was just going to see where my namesake was. And little did I know that the divine orchestration was a play to is touching lives who knows in what infinitely amazing ways and certainly he's touched my life my life profoundly that's it thank you Nelly. anyone else want to share an amazing or a not so amazing travel experience we got nathan go ahead hey everybody uh so i was able to find this picture from about Oh, it was about three years ago. My brother has been in um, a number of East African countries for uh, up to three times in a single year. He's really become a, a humanitarian. He's a pharmacist, and so he goes over and does some medical uh, humanitarian mission uh, work over there. And then my wife, who is also in healthcare, found out about it, and so I guess who I am. I'm the hostage. And so um, I, I get to go over there and live off the grid in Africa for two weeks, which sounds really cool. But at heart, I, I thought I might be a little bit too much of a wimp and a wuss to be able to do that. Now, fortunately, I'm still here, so I have survived, but I am certainly not the hero of the story. Now, the, the story that I'm going to tell you, it's not the, the super... Um, gross ones that immediately came to mind. I'm going to censor that one out. But this, this story is a lot of fun because uh, on one of these trips, we were in Tanzania. We're off the grid. The, the organization we went with, they specialize. Their thing is they don't go to the, the cities. They don't go to the villages. They go way off the grid, like an hour at least drive off the grid to help the people that, that need it the most. Uh, the metrics um, of the uh, the results they get from their medical clinics and all of the things they do are just really amazing. And so it, it was just a real privilege to be able to do that. So uh, it's the end of the day. The medical clinic is closed up for the day. The pharmacy that my brother worked at, they're all closed up. And we're taking a fun little mini safari, self-guided <laughs> safari in this dried up riverbed behind the camp. And it's about a 15, 20 minute walk. And so I'm catching up to them. We had a, a 70 year old physician from Virginia who brought his bagpipes and so he would let loose and it was kind of like this epic uh, piece that was one uh, thing that would happen in the morning but we're on this journey walking down the safari uh, dried up riverbed so I catch up to everybody and they're all doing stuff down there and it was really cool but I'm thinking hey I want to go back I'm thirsty or I, I just want to go back I think I'll go back by myself and just go right back up. I generally have a good sense of direction. That's a little bit of a tip-off uh, generally. And uh, I didn't realize uh, some other key piece, if you are a world traveler, right, Ricky? If you are on the equator instead of in Pennsylvania latitude-wise, if you're on the equator and it's about you know 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the afternoon, what starts happening? Some of you are laughing. Okay. It, 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 you know, dusk. What, what's dusk? It's like we, we have sunlight 
and then we have pitch black, <laughs> right? Right, Christy? She's, she's seeing this. So I, I really didn't realize this. I thought I had like a, an hour window to mosey back. You know, it was only a 20-minute thing. I had to scramble up some kind of a cliff in order to get back. I had to follow the trail. It was really only about a 15-minute walk down into the riverbed, but then I had to get back up. And as I walked, I would see, I'm like watching my shadow, just like visually <laughs> arcing different. And I'm thinking, oh, shoot, I'm on the equator. <laughs> I don't have as much time as I think I do. So then I start running and I'm still probably a mile and a half away, climb up the riverbed. I'm like, where in the heck am I? Oh, there's a goalpost because there was like a soccer field, only it was made out of like sticks. It was, it was a goalpost, but I'm not in the United States or Canada. You know, I'm in a developing country goalpost, which are like little twigs. So they're not holding up. You know, my big landmark was the goalpost. And it's really just a couple of twigs with a little, you know, twine rope. And I could barely see that. So I start hauling off in the direction of what, what looks like a goalpost before, but now it looks like just kind of a tree with right angles. So I'm, I'm huffing and puffing. I'm starting to count my options. I'm starting to get freaked out. Do I scream out, you know, my, my deity's name? Do I scream it out because I'm that desperate right now? I'm saying, no, I'm not quite that desperate yet to scream it out. And then I see this shadowy figure. It's a Maasai warrior all, you know, decked out with the staff and the blanket and all this stuff, and he's on, you know, he's on his evening commute back from the village into where he lives. I'm like, I'm totally off the grid. He's commuting home for the night, just like I do. He just, he just isn't in a motorized vehicle. So he, you know, he points me, it was kind of like the, the ghost of Christmas yet to come a little bit. He kind of points me back, and then there's the village right over there. And I didn't get mauled by the lions or the you know, the tigers or, the, you know, any of the stuff that was out there. And uh, that, that was my story. So I made it back to safety and uh, I lived to, uh, to, to do another podcast episode. Back <laughs> to you, Ricky. And you are a prolific podcaster. How many are you up to now, Nathan? You know, I'm, I'm close to 300 recorded, but only about 240 released right now. So I'm, I'm following your footsteps, buddy. Well, you've done in a way shorter time. How, what was the time period to record those 250? It's quite impressive. Well, I, I started in uh, February. So it, it's a seven-day-a-week podcast. I think you're going to overtake. I think you're going to overtake the 500 soon. i got to start recording more episodes, Nathan. <laughs> no competition, no competition. Uh, so who has yeah, well, you can You story? can batch them out. Yes, who wants to share the next story? We got Ezio joining us from Calcutta. Let's hear your story, Ezio. Okay, so my story is completely different. Uh, I was in a tour in 2016 with my mother and she's there from another state. So we visited there and the day before when we are coming back, we got a news at about like 11.30 at the night that our prime minister has banned all the monies, all the currencies of 500,000. So it was like a horrified dream for us because we, we were carrying cash we, and we have we also had our card but we are actually carrying cash more than like we need for the shopping and all the things and when suddenly our currencies got banned and it's like a, a, a 
and my brother called me like look sister there is a news and this thing and that thing so the first thing i did i just ran out from the hotel room and went to the nearest atm but there were too many people like the police we are doing their duties the people they are they are like pushing each other for the money because there is only 15 minutes before the closing after 12 am all the monies will be closed so people are pushing each other to grab the money from the atm so uh, me with my brother we on on his bike we were circling around all all over the city to find a atm where there will less of the people and at last we found an atm at about like 11:55 so we have 5 minutes and you don't believe after grabbing out like 1500 rupees it was 12 am and the atm got closed so and the next day we were like we are having to back from the city uh, to our home and i asked my hotel uh, manager that if uh, you are going to allow us for for the payment via card because we ha have cash but that is not working anymore so he said no madam we accept card and all the things so yeah we said yeah okay and we actually ordered some things which are going to deliver from that state to our house so we went to that shop cancelled our order and we said we are going to pay you now because at home my father also facing the same problem because he has that cash which is not working anymore because of this demonetization and it is like a huge baggage extra luggage we have to carry it from that state to home and it was like a horrified dream because the last moment we got to know about the demonetization and uh, without like, we have cash which is not working anymore like 500 bucks 1000 bucks that is useless for us now and uh, we went the last moment to the atm card Uh, to the atm uh, with the card and the people are like the police they are doing their duties and they are like pushing and fighting each other and uh, it was like a horrified dream and horrified scene scene you can see you can imagine when people are going to their like they are facing the demonetization problem you can feel that problem when you are in a tomb not when you are at the home when you are at the home you can know okay i will do anything and after that when people are like they are running towards that and it's it's like a very much bad experience for me in my 2016 tour that is that happened in 2016 november actually november and it was like a four and five days tour but the last two days were very bad for me i must say because of the this demonetization problem in india Thank you, Ezio. All right, little bit of a musical interlude. All right. Thank you for the little musical interlude, just to uh, add some spice and variety. 
So we got Amy in the house. Uh, she just joined us. I uh, want to do a quick intro, Amy. Uh, just one minute, sharing a little bit about yourself. Over to you. Go ahead, Amy. Sorry, I lost my audio for a second. How How is it going? You're what, an hour and a half into this? That is right. We are only halfway through. We haven't even talked about the big, big question. How do you make money while traveling? Well, saving oh, us to last. Yeah, so. Now we're talking about experiences, travel experiences. But yeah. before we do that, let's get to know you, Amy and Grego. Uh, first, Amy, why didn't you do a quick intro about uh, 60 seconds? Tell us about yourself. Okay, cool. So I've been doing improv for about 15 plus years. And so that um, improv mindset of adventure, you never know what's going to happen next, go with the flow, ties very much into travel. And I've tried to weave the two things together by mixing up my improv experiences with my travel experiences. And more importantly, having an improv mindset when I am traveling. Go ahead, Grego. Ah, okay, hey guys. Hello to everybody and a very personal, um, special hello to Mr. Scott Patton, uh, who I visited with, or who visited with me just a few weeks ago when he was in Colombia. And hey, Ricky, great to connect with you again. And hello, everybody else. <laughs> I'm Grego. Uh, I am uh, originally from New York, so I'm a, I'm a New Yorker, and as they say, you can't take the New Yorker out the New Yorker. I actually, I actually use expletives in, in that um, when I normally say it, and uh, my New York attitude is with me here in Colombia. It's, it's my survival skills, so, so <laughs> I don't wear it on my sleeve. But if someone approaches me, it comes out in a heartbeat. <laughs> but no, no, I've been living in Colombia for five years. Right now, I am in Medellin, Colombia, with plans on becoming what I'm calling a Colombian nomad. I've decided when my lease expires next February, I'm not going to renew it. I have a nice apartment but I'm not gonna renew my, my lease and I'm going to travel basically uh, around Colombia, month to month, um, region to region with some international travel thrown in. So I've mapped out next year, I'm gonna spend three months in Cuba and then uh, months around the di different departments in Colombia. And that's basically where I am and where I will be at the moment. <laughs> Thank you, Grego. So what we're doing for the next 15 minutes is we're talking about our travel experiences, travel highlights, and the top of hour, we're going to be talking all about how to make money while traveling in terms of all the different methodologies, strategies, and tactics. So who wants to share a travel experience who hasn't gone yet? Go ahead, Joan. Hey. All right, this is kind of a funny story in that I pretty much conquered the continental United States, having been to 46 out of 50 states in my travels. 
So I was so excited and honored to be invited to teach on Vancouver Island, which I'm going to do in December. And one of the things I do is the tapping thing. So every day I tap myself for what am I forgetting? 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 And then suddenly I got this thought, I better check my passport. So I looked and my passport expired two years ago. And I thought, ah, this is not good if I'm going to Vancouver Island in December. I grabbed my passport, I grabbed my checkbook, my birth certificate, my social security card, ran to the post office and got that renewed, expedited. So then as I tap every day for what am I forgetting, I get another thought. I better check my phone. Lo and behold, as I'm learning from you all and then from my inner wisdom, I'm going to start using Skype as my phone so I don't have $6 billion worth of roaming charges when I go outside of the United States. All these little tips I'm learning as I use my EFT to connect with the energy cloud, so to speak, and find out what am I forgetting to do since I've been out of the country a few times, but only on vacation. So I'm finally, I'm beginning to be, I love you U.S., but I'm beginning to be a little claustrophobic. So I'm finally going to get out of the U.S. and start traveling the world and teaching. And now I'm getting all my ducks in a row with my passport, with my Skype phone and whatever else comes to me through tapping and through meditating and through thinking. So that's what helps me. But I am so excited to teach and get out of the U.S. because I have so many friends now in Vancouver. I don't know what I'm doing in Pennsylvania, but I have so many friends that I enjoy talking with and meeting with from Vancouver. And I can't wait to see this very special province and teach in this special country. So that's my funny story. Beautiful, and that's the power of the connection we are making here. If you're going to Medellin, Colombia, you got a friend in Grego. If you're heading over there to Calcutta, you got a friend in Ezio. If you're heading to the UK, you got a friend in, in Nile, right? If you're heading to the Philippines, I'm over here. If you're heading to Costa Rica, Scott will be gone by the time you arrive. <laughs> but you know, there, there's a, a power to this amazing connection we're making here because we can stay connected and visit each other and uh, connect not just virtually, but in person as well. Uh, so before, uh, you know, uh, feel free to jump in. I'll quickly share a story because I haven't had much to share about my own travels yet. But I have a blog, daddyblogger.com, if you want to learn more about my travels. But one of my big bucket list items, uh, I, in, back in Vancouver in my uh, apartment, we actually had a vision board. And on the vision board, we used to do it every year on January 1st. Every year on January 1st, I'd keep putting Machu Picchu, Machu Picchu, Machu Picchu, Machu Picchu. I had to wait five years till I entered Peru and stepped foot in Machu Picchu. And you know, uh, for those of you who have been, I think Scott's been, anyone else has been, you will know how powerful the experience of visiting Machu Picchu is for the first time. Uh, you gotta take a train to get there, then you gotta take out a bus, and you gotta hike, and then finally when you see this amazing citadel in the city in the sky, in the mountains, you actually, um, like for me, 
I was speechless. And you know, I'm a good talker. I, I do speaking, coaching, etc. But for, when I saw Machu Picchu, I was actually having my phone. I was like, okay, guys, this is my first glimpse of Machu Picchu. And I actually got shaky and I couldn't talk because literally uh, my dream had come true. And uh, I got quite choked up. I was like in tears. And then uh, my wife's like, honey, what do you have to say? You're here. Your dreams come true. I'm like, oh, it just, it was just so powerful. So uh, there's a great quote. It's uh, travel will leave you speechless. And then it will turn you into a storyteller. So that was my quick story about my dream coming true when I visited Machu Picchu. I have so many of those, uh, you know, in Kruger National Park in South Africa, got to see animals in the wild. For my kids, Rianne, Ryan, Renzo, to see animals not in the captivity or the confines of a zoo in cages, but to see a lion two meters away from our Jeep was uh, priceless as well. And that's why we travel, to show our kids these amazing experiences and uh, make our dreams come true and help other people make their dreams come true as well. So who wants to jump in and share a travel experience who hasn't yet, like uh, Amy, Grego? Okay, Amy's next on the deck and then Grego after. I, I love what you said about Machu Picchu. Um, I had a similar experience the first time I went to Venice, you know, walking out of the train station and actually seeing the water right there instead of streets. I think a lot of times we're, um, we lose that sense of awe because we see everything on the internet. We see everything in magazines. We see everything on the television. So when we're able to experience something for the first time and it's even more wonderful than we imagined it in our head, but more importantly, more wonderful than what we've seen on a screen, then that, is a really, really, really precious moment. Um, so I was on that trip with my ex-husband and I'm Italian and I'm from Italy. So it was a really special experience. Um, the, the gentleman who owned the bed and breakfast that we stayed in, that was in the area where my father's from, looked like a much younger version of my father to the point that it was, almost a little bit creepy how much you look like my father. Um, but we had gone um, on a trip to Spain because my ex-husband's mother was from Spain and we connected with his aunt and uncle. And it was interesting because uh, I speak English and Spanish. My ex-husband only spoke English. His uncle spoke English and Spanish and his aunt only spoke Spanish. So it was a, very fun um, communication, you know, strategy session, trying to get everybody all on the same page to communicate. And his uncle is actually a, a famous cinematographer. Um, so to have a glimpse into that world via a foreign country and via a family member was really interesting. Um, but where that story gets even more interesting is our return trip to the airport. Um, my ex-husband would always get very stressed out returning cars um, after the rental period was over. And when we went to return the car, it's very confusing at the Madrid airport how to return a car. Um, it's not obvious at all. So he hopped out to ask somebody a question about it. And then he asked that I grab a luggage cart this was back in the days before we um, 
before I discovered uh, the joys of, of traveling in a tiny bag where you don't need a luggage cart. So as I was grabbing the luggage cart, someone jumped into the rental car and pulled out of the rental car parking lot. And I thought it was an attendant, right? I thought it was somebody trying to help to return the car to where it needed to be returned. When in fact it was a thief who pulled <laughs> the car out and onto the main drag in front of the airport. But I didn't know this at, a, at the time, like it took a minute to process what was actually happening. And I ran out in front of the car, the car made contact with my leg. And then once I realized that this gentleman wasn't actually moving, it dawned on me, oh, this actually isn't someone affiliated with the rental car company. So I thought it best that I move. And when I moved, he took off with all the suitcases, all the beautiful things we had bought you know, through our travels in Spain in the car. And all I had was, you know, my little tiny, tiny bag with my camera, my passport, my wallet. That was it. And um, we were on Spanish time. So dealing with the police took a really long time and we missed the flights and the airline would not put us back on a flight. To, I said, just anywhere on the East Coast, New York, Philadelphia, Washington, any Florida, anywhere, just anywhere on the East Coast. And they said they would only put us on the same flight we had already reserved for the next day. So we had 24 hours until the flight with, you know, no stuff. So we went back into town and got a place to stay and shopped for some things, you know, toothbrushes and such. And as we were coming into the little place that we were staying, uh, in Madrid, someone tried to steal our shopping bags. <laughs> and we made it through the night. And in the morning, from our window, we saw a gentleman run off with a woman's purse that he had snatched right off her arm. After all that, you know, of course, my conservative parents wanted to know, well, are you done traveling for a while? You know, you're going to settle down now, right? You have that out of your system. And just made me more determined than ever to keep traveling because they're not going to beat you, right? <laughs> you're going to keep going. Love it. Thanks, guys, for sharing both the good and the bad, the highs and the lows. Who wants to share next? Grego, 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 go ahead. Okay, um, I have kind of a, a long, windy travel story. I won't make it that long. Um, in 1997, I decided to move to Spain. <laughs> and I did it, everybody, my family, they were so psyched. They're like, great, you're gonna love it, it's gonna be great. Oh, 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 oh. So I moved to Spain and one pickpocket short uh, a, a pickpocket tangent um there was a spot in barcelona and it was notorious for pickpockets and so the police put up a sign beware of pickpockets english and spanish and then they had to take the sign down because the sign inadvertently helped the pickpockets because every time someone saw the sign they would put their hand on wherever their wallet was <laughs> thereby identifying where they had their valuables to the pickpockets who were watching, <laughs> who would then go and pickpocket them. Okay, 
So I lived in Spain for five years, Barcelona. Absolutely loved it. No, no, I absolutely loved it. So, and then I came home, and there was a space of a, a period of time. Uh, and then in 2013, I decided I'm moving to Colombia. And when I told everybody, my family, my friends, they're all free to do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. 180 degree difference from when I moved to Spain. And when I moved to Spain, I didn't know anybody. I spoke Spanish, but I didn't know anybody, didn't have any connections, didn't have a job, but everybody was, oh, fantastic, you're going to love it. Well, what happened between my move to Spain and my move to Colombia was I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And that is what freaked everybody out. I had a label, bipolar. And my family and friends, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. I was well on my way to recovery. And I have since deemed myself cured because I no longer have to deal with bipolar on a daily basis. I'm mentally fit and healthy without meds, without therapy, lots of outside exercise. Uh, and I decided, you know what? I no longer live my life by committee. My life is, a, I tell everybody, my life is a dictatorship and I'm the dictator. <laughs> so I sometimes don't even tell people what I'm doing. I tell people what I have done. So, so because I don't want anybody to say, you can't do that. What do you mean I can't do that? You can't do that. I can do whatever I decide I want to do. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, uh, I'm living in Colombia. I have been living here for five years now, and my family has had to quiet down and accept things are going okay for him. He's surviving. You know, the other the other part of the Colombia was the stereotypical Colombia dangerous country: drugs, drugs, drugs. So I had a, a discussion with a friend of mine. She's like, "The drugs, the drugs, the drugs." She's freaking out. You can't go. The drugs, the drugs. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. Stop for a minute. Let's say, I, I mean, my, my first reaction was drugs are no longer issue. The cartels have died down. That's 20-year-old history. Colombia now is very, very safe, which it is. She would not get off the horse, however. So I said, okay, when I could get a word in edgewise, okay, let's say yes. There are drugs in Colombia. Answer me this. Riddle me this, Batwoman. Where are the drugs going? And she thought about it, and she's like, oh, yeah, like, that's right. The drugs are going to the United States. Thank you very much. <laughs> the drugs are coming here to our neighborhoods. So if we can avoid drugs where we live in the United States, I'm like, I can avoid them in Colombia. Now, I do have one Colombian drug story. I have, in the five years I've been here, I have come into contact with one person directly related to drugs. He happened to be an American and he makes money or made his living selling, growing and selling marijuana in Colorado. Now, uh, do the math. I don't know when drugs were marijuana the cultivation of marijuana was legalized in Colorado, but this gentleman had been doing it for 10 to 15 years. 
<laughs> so I'm pretty sure he was doing it for the majority of the time when it was illegal. So my Colombian drug story is centered on an American who made his living selling illegal marijuana from Colorado and then using the proceeds of his business to vacation in Colombia. <laughs> And um, that is my, how I got to Columbia. So now I basically, I'm a, I'm a writer and I blog about Columbia, its lifestyle, its culture. Uh, I'm very, very interested in the intersection of cultures, meaning um, Afro-Cuban, Afro-Colombian, the indigenous populations and how they interact with the European populations and all of those things are fantastically interesting to me. I blog on my site, uh, it's called Grupo Amos on Colombia, um, but the site is www.grupoamos.com. Grupo is spelled in Spanish, G-R-U-P-O-A-M-O-S. And I have, well, oh wait, wait, I'll show you. Uh, <laughs> I had a bit of an accident. <laughs> Um, I tore a ligament in my shoulder and I did it dancing. I'm a dance aficionado. I dance salsa, I dance tango, bachata, cha-cha. I dance a little bit of everything and a lot of some other things. I was actually on what they call a limo bus. It was a birthday party and they have this bus that's decked out as a club. Strobe lights, smoke machines, um, disco lights, spinning ball, everything. And the seats are, are, are around the bus so you can dance in the middle. And then while the party is going on, the bus is driving around Medellin. It's pretty cool, it was fun. So what happened was my shoulder had been sore. I have a chronic pain and tightness. And at one point the bus lurched and I grabbed a pole so that I wouldn't fall and that the woman I was dancing with wouldn't fall. And I believe that that tore a tendon in my shoulder. So I'm on the mend now. Uh, but still, I'm still dancing, just kind of, you know, not, I'm doing the one arm, the one arm dance. <laughs> and that's basically where I am today. <laughs> Thanks, folks. And it's very pleasure. It's, it's, it's very much a pleasure to be participating in this 500 episode. Um, of Digital Nomad Mastery. Let me just quickly insert that I met Ricky about almost a year ago, or I don't know, I think it was in October when he and his family were in Colombia. I attended a workshop of his, and I was doing nothing right and very little in terms of my blogging. Uh, and he really helped me, put me on the path. Uh, and and I, um, I'm still, I've still got a long way to go, but I'm miles away from where I was. So <laughs> thanks, Ricky. That's my story. And I'm going to stick around for a while to hear the rest of you guys talk. Uh, and that's it from Grego from Medellin. You are representing South America, my friend. We have had all the continents joining us. Our Aussie friends in Oceania are sleeping because they're actually the first time zone in the world. So it was a little bit hard for them to get on just because it would have been like midnight or beyond for them. Uh, but all the other continents have been represented. Uh, so awesome, awesome, awesome. So we do have a couple of people who have just joined. I want to acknowledge them and let them do a quick intro as well. We have Mai, we got Mike, and then uh, Lucas has rejoined. 
Um, Mike, you know, you're joining us from Egypt. Uh, represent the Cairo in the house, you know. Uh, yeah. Oh. yeah, I think a lot of people have a big dream to go see the pyramids. So, you know, connect with uh, Mai. She can give you some great tips around that. Why didn't you do a quick intro, Mai, about yourself and about your travels? You've just recently come back from Eastern Europe, etc. Go ahead. One minute. Uh, all right, uh, my name is Mai, I'm 26, uh, I'm working as a marketeer, hopefully I'm going to be a digital nomad somewhere in the future, I'm trying that, uh, trying to learn from Wiki here and all you guys. Um, I'm an opera singer as well, and it's my passion, and, uh, and it's what I like to go around doing whenever I travel everywhere. Uh, I've been around Europe, uh, Africa, and Asia, in Asia been to Indonesia, uh, Vietnam, Europe, uh, I've been to Paris, uh, Amsterdam, uh, Spain, Italy, uh, Greece, Croatia, Slovenia, many places, and in Africa, I've been to Tunisia, uh, and of course, Egypt and South Africa. Uh, and that's basically it. I'm gonna um, stick around to listen to you guys here for a while. It's my first time to join uh, something that is so exciting, and I'm really looking forward to hearing the stories, everyone. Beautiful. Thank you for joining us all the way from Cairo, uh, Egypt, in Africa. So we got Mike, and uh, one of the things I promised uh, on this uh, episode is I wanted to bring in just a viewer, a listener, to actually share a little bit about himself and how we can help. But he's, he's disappeared. Anyway, uh, when he comes back on, we'll get, we'll get him up on hot seat. Uh, but we have uh, uh, Lucas, and I think we have a, a everyone share already. Anyone else want to share before we move on? We're going to be moving on to the money, money, money section. Uh, Maya, yeah, you, Ricky. Yeah, we go have ahead, Scott, a, Scott, a go contest. Ahead. And oh, yeah. uh, so uh, there were uh, three entrants in this contest. And so I, and I just want to quickly share their stories because I thought each one of them felt, uh, felt good. And, but I'll do the one that won last. So Will Lowry, thank you for sharing. He says, I traveled to Switzerland with my wife for my birthday last spring. Nothing better than a cold beer under the shadow of the Matterhorn. And I just read that and I thought, that is such a quick, simple story. And I feel like I'm sitting there having a beer with you, Will. I just loved it. And then uh, Jack Kivaska. Heidi and I left from Canada to Milan to see opera and the Last Supper painting. We rented a car, drove to Firenze stayed two weeks, stopped, ate, and trained, and uh, sightseed. Then Celine then on to Rome and a bunch of other places, and an eight-day cruise to the Greek islands. Six weeks of the most non-hurried, relaxing, fun-filled experiences that even the bad were good. And that's, to me, is just traveling in, in three words is bad were good. There is not a day that we aren't grateful to make a two-week plan trip into a six-week adventure. That was the runner-up. Scott Swanson won. While traveling overseas to visit my brother who was studying abroad, we rented motor scooters in Sorrento, Italy, and a group of us took them to the Almafi coast to see the sunset. Uh, and I'm pretty sure there's a few of us that can relate to this story. I owned a motorcycle back then, so was much more skilled on two wheels than the rest of my group. On the way back to our hostel, I went way ahead of the group thinking, I know the way back. I didn't. I got lost, and after about an hour, the gas light came on. I had no money on me, and even if I did, I had no idea how to get gas in a foreign country. 
It was dark. I couldn't speak the language, couldn't read the science, had no money. I was terrified, and I was just a kid. By the grace of God, my scooter made it for another hour of driving around aimlessly. Then I heard someone yell my name. I happened to have driven past my hostel, and my group was sitting on the patio drinking beer, saw me drive by. I broke into tears of joy and parked my scooter. It was the most memorable moment, although it was very scary. And so he's the winner, and he reminded me of uh, about 40 years ago, I went to visit my sister who was living a year in Boussançon, France. So she and her husband and I and a friend took off to the Alps where Germany, Switzerland, and France met. They said, we're going cross-country skiing. My brother-in-law took off like a bullet and I tried to keep up to him and I couldn't. By the time I realized I couldn't, I was so far ahead of my sister and her friend, I didn't know where they were. I didn't know what town we parked in, what town we were going to, whether I should follow the yellow arrow, the green arrow, the blue arrow, or what arrow. And everyone I stopped knowing like 17 words of French looked at me like I was crazy and kept on going. And only by the grace of God was I discover, did I end up actually back where I started. They were all waiting for me saying, like nothing had happened, right? I'm panicking for three hours in the Swiss Alps, wondering what's going to happen. And then my sister says, and I was like, weren't you worried? You know, you, you, you lost me. He said, no, we just said, you know, have you seen a Canadian up ahead of us? And everybody that passed you said, yeah, yeah, he's just like half a mile ahead of you, no problem. We knew where you were the whole time. And uh, so, and that's part of the fun of, of traveling is, I think, stuff happens and you have no idea what you're going to do or how you're going to get out of it. And something happens and we do. And that confidence, I think, is one of the traits that you really learn traveling. Oh, so congratulations to Scott Swanson. You have won. What have you won? You have won a consultation with Pam for 45 minutes and, I'll, and her outsourcing book. So uh, we'll send that to you uh, after the show. Congratulations. So we have given out uh, tons of different prizes. We still have several more prizes to go. The next prize is going to be from Annie Poole. She's actually offering anyone who comments, I love to travel, a free guided audio meditation. And it's phenomenal. I had a chance to listen to the pre-interview, uh, pre-podcast as well. So all you need to do is comment below. I love to travel and you will be getting a copy of that. So um, next up, we got some new people who joined us. We got Mike. Uh, one of the things I promised our live stream viewers here is that someone would get a chance to share a, a struggle or a challenge or a question who's not, a, not being one of our podcast guests. And we, as a mastermind, as a community, will support, give advice and feedback. So that person is Mike. Mike Rutuskiniak, I believe that's an Eastern European name. Apologies if I mispronounced it, Mike. Uh, why don't you share a little bit about yourself, Mike? A quick uh, one minute. Who are you and what do you need help with? And how can we, as panelists, digital nomads, help you? Well, I'm Mike Rutuskiniak. I'm from Vancouver, Canada. I've known Ricky for like, probably seven or eight years now. Uh, I have a business, Mike Perfect Pierogies. I've actually uh, traveled to the Philippines where they told me that uh, in Palawan that they were pierogies, but when I went to taste them, they weren't pierogies as, as uh, 
as a connoisseur of pierogies. Um, but uh, I've, I've had uh, an enjoyment of watching Richie, Ricky uh, travel around the world and Scott travel around the world. And uh, what they do is, is fascinating. Uh, I'd love to do that. Uh, I've traveled the Philippines and I've seen how the markets work there. I've been in the produce and grocery business for over 42 years. Uh, I, I uh, love the culture and the Asian countries. I've been to Hong Kong and stuff like that. Traveled all around the world with my father and mother. My dad was in the Air Force, so I got to go to Switzerland, France, Munich, Baden Baden, three wing, four wing, Spain. So I've traveled quite a bit, but uh, what they're doing and that is uh, fascinating, and I'd like to do that in the near future here. I'm just building a business right now, Mike's Perfect Pierogies in Vancouver, Canada, and uh, I just uh, enjoy uh, what you're all doing. It's uh, great experiences, what you're doing around the world. Thank you, Mike, and we'll definitely be uh, sharing some wisdom and insights into how you two can start your digital nomad journey. Uh, I wanted to acknowledge the people who have just joined, uh, Kevin uh, joining us over there in Toronto, the big TO, the six, and Eleni joining us from Spain, our first guest joining us over there in Spain. Um, so let's get Kevin, and oh, so Chantal too, Chantal's joining us from her RV. I can't keep track, all these people keep joining and leaving and joining and leaving, so it's amazing. Okay, Kevin first, Eleni second, and then Chantal third. Hit it, Kevin. There we go. Hey, Rick, thanks for having me on. This is awesome. My name's Kevin Hewn, and uh, Ricky and I have uh, known each other for quite some time now, and I had the opportunity to take a one-year trip across Canada with my wife and my daughter back in uh, 2015 and 16, and we bought a motorhome and basically did teen across Canada which is uh, my daughter being as a teenager, we said, you know what, you're going to visit this country. And it was uh, education beyond academics is the best way to word it. It was my wife's brainchild. And I loved the fact that, uh, you know, I've traveled the world and my wife's like, you know what, we don't even know our own country. So we went from Toronto. They call it the Mecca of the country. I'm from originally from Montreal. That's where the Mecca is in my head, but that's okay. We went to the East Coast, went all the way to the West Coast. Ricky and I hooked up for the family. This is before he started traveling around the world. Our families got together. We had a great time. And then we went to the Yukon. So I got like I don't know, 200 kilometers from the uh, Arctic Circle. So what was really cool is getting to see all coasts and all part of this country. And it was life-changing because it wasn't just about the trip. It was really about who I am, who I was as a person, did some soul searching. Um, and that's kind of our story. We had a great time. Yeah, it was awesome to meet you over there and the amazing, you know, teen across Canada, traveling with his teenage daughter across every single province in Canada. Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. Eleni is a fellow Canadian from Vancouver, and I think Eleni and me are going to say Vancouver is the cultural hub of Canada, but no offense over there to Kevin. Over to you, Eleni, who's not in Canada, neither am I. Eleni's in Spain. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, so I'm, I'm Eleni and I'm based in Spain now. Um, I've been to about 110 countries and it didn't start that way. People often ask me if, if I planned to see every country in the world. I, I definitely didn't. was not raised in that kind of environment. My parents never travel. Um, but it's just, it started with one. And then uh, at some point I took my coaching practice on the road with me. I didn't tell anyone for all sorts of insane fears that make no sense to anybody. 
um, except in my own mind. And then I went, I came back, then I posted the pictures on Facebook. I think it was Italy. And everyone was like, what? Even my clients, like they, they had no idea I was anywhere but my living room in Vancouver. So I thought, okay, whew, like it worked with one country. Then I tried uh, Chile and Brazil. I tried two and that worked. Nobody died. I didn't die. You know, these fictitious things we make up in our mind, like we will die. Nobody died. And then I did uh, three the next year. I did five the year after, and then I went 16 countries in 16 weeks. And then during that trip, my dad did die. So it was life and death, and I had to rush back from Bali to Vancouver for the funeral. So I see travel as this spiritual quest to grow ourselves, to overcome our own insanity, our own fears, our own inner chatter, and to know that even when the worst happens, and it is life and death, there is life. There is life after death. So to me, it's been a very spiritual quest. That's how I see it. Yeah, well put. Uh, definitely, uh, there's a spiritual dimension to everything we do, including travel. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be sharing a little bit more about your amazing coaching programs and how you're able to make a six-figure income while traveling to 110 countries. That is phenomenal. <laughs> Chantel, little teaser for what's to come. Chantel, over to you. Hi, I'm Chantel Hopgood. And my husband and I travel in our RV. We have been full-timing, as we call it, since June of last year. We travel with our seven-year-old son. And we, Eleni, you brought tears to my eyes because you're absolutely right. Um, traveling does have a huge component of, of, spiritual, of spirituality. And our big thrust, the thing that makes us so passionate and why we do what we do is we want to inspire others to live their own version of freedom and to be live a life of health and wellness. And so um, I have MS and when we went on the road, part of it was to improve my life and making that choice to take control of my destiny and our family's destiny was just absolutely unbelievable and now that we travel all over the united states we are going to mexico over the winter and we plan on uh, traveling to canada next year who knows where we're going to end up but we're driving and thriving and loving it and we want others to have everything they want out of their life as well beautiful beautiful we've heard from everyone here and i did mention at the beginning of the podcast we would have a surprise well the surprise is on board we've been waiting patiently and wondering what is a surprise well you know what is a party without some entertainment we've had some food from Chantal cooking up a storm over there in her kitchen in Switzerland we've had amazing uh, guests we had some music and now ready for the big surprise my Kamal go hit it
Wow, I think we're going to have to unmute. Everyone unmute and let's give her a huge round of applause here. Unmute and give her a huge blue applause. Oh my amazing, God. Amazing, oh, amazing. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Guys, I, I got to say, Eleni and Chantel, I haven't been here uh, listening to you guys all for a lot, but the last of those two stories like really helped me sing emotionally and you guys were very passionate yeah wow. that was wow. really good <laughs> way to go nathan <laughs> and uh, kevin as well oh my god no that's <laughs> thank you guys for your encouragement so much wow <laughs> you know it's so hard to move on from that i'm just kind of floored here i'm just gonna i'm gonna stay in silence okay i'm just gonna absorb this for 10 <laughs> seconds okay I need to know. I need to know. Where does that voice come from? I thought opera had to be like cute, huge, big woman with a huge bus. And you're like a tiny I get that thing. A lot. I get that a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's surprising. <laughs> yeah, I do get wow. it a lot. Yeah. Wow. I'm blown where, away. I'm blown where did away. You study? Where did you study, Mai? I studied at the Opera House. Cairo Which Opera one? House. Cairo. Cairo. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and actually, uh, what I'm really like, um, what I'm afraid really right now to do, and it's really something that is difficult for me, and I hope if I do it someday, um, I, I'm going to be really proud of myself, is that I want to tour around and sing in the streets because like hearing yeah. feedbacks like this makes my life, you know? Oh. And, uh, and all the and, people watching around the world are applauding and saying, very beautiful, wonderful, Thank wow, spectacular. <laughs> I hope you guys managed to hear it well because uh, I'm, I'm not really uh, doing, I'm not connecting really nicely and the music is distorted, but uh, I'm really, I'm, you have no idea how much your feedback went to me. 
in, in England, I heard you crystal clearly. And my, can I just share something really beautifully synchronistic with you? When I was recently in Bulgaria, I met a woman who took me on a guided tour of, mm -hmm. uh, of Plovdiv, which is next year's European cultural capital, an exquisite, exquisitely beautiful city. Um, and we made a connection and recently she did some work for me looking for venues to deliver in, uh, in Plovdiv. And I said mm -hmm. to her, I'd love to give her a coaching session uh, as a thank you. So we came to the coaching session and I already knew that she was a singer and she said she feels so torn between um, whether to keep the job that she has or whether to really go professional singing. And we had the coaching session and by the end of the call, what was clear to her was that she, she said that she had a period, a very short, like four months where she had to go to France and she couldn't sing, not even at home. And she said she felt so deeply depressed because she couldn't sing. And so what I helped to get really clear about is that she, if she isn't singing, or singing is not about professional recognition, it's about uh, expression of her spirit. And that if she doesn't sing, she dies. It's like a slow kind of suicide. And so I challenged her to... Uh, get off the call and to record a song for me and not to listen to it, not to edit it, just to send it back. And she sent me two. And I listened to them both. I was, uh, I was, I was on the seashore. I'd just been collecting blackberries and I took off my, my boots and my I rolled up my trousers and I stood in the water listening to this recording she had just sent me. And it, was, it just brought tears to my eyes. And when I hear your passion and when I hear her passion, I just want to say you cannot not follow your calling because that spirit and that, that it's the expression of God. It's the expression of divine and of love. And if you don't do that, you withhold your gifts to transform all of our lives. So thank you. I, 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 yeah, I couldn't confirm that more because I have those phases of not being able to sing, not knowing what to do in life in the future. I really love to travel so much, but it's so scary. I've never been on my own before. And like being a girl in Egypt is not, um, it's not something you're used to doing every day, like to travel and leave your parents and leave your job. And it's not that kind of culture, you know? And I'm really thinking about it every day. What you said right now is really true. When I never, whenever I can't sing, it's, it's, I can't, I can't live. I can't keep going. And I know if I manage to do this step, it will change and transform my life and how I see myself. And that's why, like, I'm proud of each and every one of you guys. Really listening to your stories really are inspiring, because you managed to take that step that I am, you know, shuffling towards taking or not right now. And like I see how it's like from the other side, and you, you really give me hope. Guys. Mm. My, I would really love to gift you a coaching session if you would like it. I would love to gift you a coaching session, just course, help please. you take those first few steps and just help pro propel you on the way as a gift. Please. Beautiful. Please, so, thank you so much. We're gonna all help out my uh, after this uh, podcast. You know, I think we all have been moved impacted, transformed on a very deep emotional basis. So 
Uh, we're going to come alongside you, Mai. We're going to champion you on and uh, get you to your dreams. That's what this podcast is all about, helping people achieve their travel dreams. Yeah. And you are a shiny example of what our goal is. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And, uh, you know, case study coming up. <laughs> so in, the, in this third hour, of course, we're talking about monetization and uh, monetizing your passions. And that was a perfect segue because Mai has this incredible passion and she's living on purpose and singing, but she hasn't figured out how to monetize it and how to travel the world with a passion. So that's exactly what we're going to be discussing um, uh, in this closing hour. And we'd love to hear from our panelists here about how, do you, how did you guys monetize your passion and travel the world. I really want to start with Eleni because she's been able to generate six figures as a digital nomad visiting 110 countries. Phenomenal. So how did you do it? There we go. Unmuted. Okay. So I, I was thinking about the call today. So yesterday I took out some old journals and I did a tally. And before becoming a coach, I've had 16 different career some were some were more similar to each other some were drastically more different uh, different so i went from um, it into design into uh, banking into engineering and procurement into humanitarian aid into strategic consulting with the un so into various industries and careers and and I was looking for the pattern of like, what, what was all, what made me change all the time? And, and a couple things came up. At first, I, I hit really quickly the F the shit moment, the, the, the either the, the moronic boss or the, the glass ceiling or whatever it was. I hit this moment of like, oh, no more. I'm not doing this anymore. And my tolerance for, for, hypocrisy, non-integrity is very, very short. So whenever I hit a point of like, this is not for me, um, I'm out, I get out. And a ton, a ton, 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 ton of criticism, of bashing, feather, tar, burn, burnt me at the stake for leaving six-figure jobs, for leaving a glorious career in the United Nations in New York, New York City. My, my apartment was a stone throw from uh, Times Square tons of flack and with time tr having tried out so many careers reinvented myself the moment i aced it i left i came to realize a couple things so all of us are non-conformists and what i lovingly call earth school will have us conform because it's safer that way and and don't we all want safety financial safety emotional safety being loved having a roof over our head so safety is not a bad thing we all want safety but, you know, Earth School needs safety for if, if the, the, the world is ruled by nonconformists. I don't know that anyone would, I don't know, clean the streets and water the gardens and such. So that was one thing, just really owning that nonconformists will carve out a nonconforming path. Second thing was realizing and learning that, um, well, about myself and about being highly sensitive. And so if you hear something that's, slightly noisy to me it's like dog hearing it's super noisy so while I travel I always have these Bose noise cancelling earphones on always and sure there's a cost people might find me like isolated or standoffish but I see parents conscious parents take their kids to basketball games to concerts with little earmuffs super cute baby earmuffs like that's brilliant they can bring their baby they can all be together as a family and they you know 
protect and do what's needed for the good of the child. And I realized, oh, I got to reparent myself the way my parents weren't able to. So when I travel, I always have them on, regardless of what anybody else thinks. So learning about introversion and needing time, a lot of time alone to, <laughs> I can see Chantal holding up her, her earmuffs, um, needing time to recharge. Um, and I think Ricky and I talked about this on the 100th episode of setting up a, a routine for myself. So I always fly on Mondays. I always sit in seat 22 on the left side. I try to diminish as many things that would be overstimulating to me. And then Tuesdays, I always check out the city. And Wednesdays and Thursdays, I work, so I don't even leave the house. So my Airbnb hosts find it very disturbing and weird. She's like, she's here, but she's, she's not left the house in 48 hours. Don't care. It's what I need. It's what my nervous system needs. And then Friday and the weekend, I might go camping in the desert or go sailing by the beach somewhere quiet where there's that overload. So I set a, a routine for myself. So now when it comes to monetization, I mean, all of you listening and here know there's maybe a thousand way. There's not a million way. There's a thousand way. You could do real estate. You could do e-courses. You could do digital products. You can do high-end 10K programs, 20K, 30K. So for me, it's re it was really knowing myself and my traits and my needs and my wants and finding this sweet spot in the middle where all of them are met and my purpose and my soul's purpose to then find my way to coaching and psychotherapy and working with clients. Um, we do 5K, 10K programs. And also I have e-courses that provide the residual income aspect of the business. So it was like a long road to finding yourself and your purpose and your soul. Then at the very end, the cherry on top is the monetization rather than the other way around of spending your whole life trying to monetize and sell stuff and end up selling your soul to the devil to then realize once you've had your millions of, I'm not sure who I am and what I'm here for and the meaning and the purpose is so empty. So that, that's my version of the answer on how I've monetized it. Like, know thyself. Well said. Uh, who wants to jump in and uh, talk about how they've been able to fund their travels and monetize their journey? Okay, well, I'll jump in for, uh, for a minute. Thank you very much, Lenny. That was uh, awesome what you shared. Uh, I wanted to be a digital nomad but I was stuck with the types of work that I was doing. So over time, I started shifting the type of work that I did and the type of businesses that I grew to ones that didn't require uh, one spot or an office. And the, uh, the result of that was when my sons finally left home and I was an empty nester, I could take off. And I never really thought about it consciously, I guess, uh, but when I was traveling, an ex-girlfriend of mine commented on one of my posts and she said, you know, congratulations, you know, I'm so happy for you. You're, you're living the, the dream that you always, that, you know, you were living your dream. And I thought, how did she know that? So I asked her and she says, well, when we were together, this was all you talked about. <laughs> Even though I was, you know, if you asked me about that time, I would be thinking about a lot of things, not traveling, being, uh, being on the list. 
And so I think it's really important that you look at the type of work that you can do that will bring you to where you want to go, right? So if you want to travel, you need to have a business or you need to have work that you don't have to be in an office with. And fortunately with technology, that, and the changing in attitudes, like, you know, in 2003, I was working for an internet marketing company who did not think it was a good idea for you to coach your clients from home. You had to be in the office. Okay. So if they weren't like leading edge thinking, uh, you know, nobody was, and they were stuck in the, Oh no, we have an office. We have a cubicle, go in the cubicle and work. And, uh, I, th obviously they're not around anymore, but, uh, you know, there's been this huge change where people aren't afraid to work with people who are thousands of miles away. The technology is such that we can, such that we can have, you know, 15 people on a hangout or a Zoom call or whatever you want to call this, a party, and it works. And so uh, I think there's just way more opportunity now. And it's just a matter of deciding what skill sets you have, what loves you have how good you are at certain things that you want to do. Like I know someone who's a really, really good writer and hates it. So he's transitioning out of that. You need to find what you love and then find a way to do it wherever you want to do it. And you know what? It's okay if you're somebody that wants to stay in the same place all of your life and just live in that community. I mean, we need those sort of people in the world too. But for those of us that want to and love to travel and experience new places, that's where I would start. Awesome, awesome. I just wanted to give an opportunity to Bob uh, to introduce himself. He joined uh, late over here. Bob is a remarkable story. I'm going to let him share in his own words. Uh, he's actually a good buddy of mine from Vancouver. Go ahead, Bob. Uh, share your story in about a minute or so. Go ahead. Uh, great, great. Thanks, Ricky. Are you able to hear me right now? Is this approach? You can hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, great, great. Hello, everybody. Uh, yeah, my name is Bob, and uh, it was a little bit of a challenge even uh, getting on here with uh, computer technology and whatnot. Um, that is part of my story, uh, technology and being able to work with the simplest of things. Uh, uh, the story is being half blind, which I am, cancer, uh, have gone through a lot of different uh, situations, a lot of challenges. And I share the story with a, a number of different people in the Vancouver area. So uh, I just want to in, invite you all for inviting me here. And uh, Ricky, thank you for, for bringing me here. And this is a challenge in itself, just, just trying to push these buttons together. And uh, you know, I'm just uh, being very calm with it and bringing it and going, I got to get here. I got to get through here. But uh, I am here somehow. And uh, thanks, uh, thanks for the support. The, the story is really, I think it applies to a lot of people. Um, the one I'm going to be doing talking about tomorrow actually is uh, Live Before You Die, which is uh, heading out to the senior community. A lot of them are in a position where uh, they're frustrated or they're keeping themselves very, very active, which seems like a good thing. But if they're keeping them active to ignore what's uh, really truthful for them, um, that can also be a, uh, a challenge. So. I just kind of share that message uh, a number of times with, with people who are just coming back into their calmness, uh, coming into their heart, uh, into the truth. And this is, uh, I think, uh, really approachable for people who are like doing their uh, uh, traveling as well, because traveling, of course, could be a lot of uh, action, adventure, 
uh, excitement in there. And I just kind of come back and I, I just kind of give a message. I, I pause and I just say, this is all really good. This is all very eventful. But just not to forget, you know, for your, your soul part, the soul layer. And I think I just heard the last few seconds when I just got in, someone was uh, talking about the uh, uh, spiritual side maybe or something to do with uh, uh, going to the, uh, through the inner journey. So um, that's my journey as well. Uh, and then uh, I've got the book, uh, Pure Happiness, Awaken to Your Truth. And this shares all that with uh, another, uh, a number of people. So uh, I thank you very much, Ricky, for bringing me in here. Thank you, Bob. You know, Bob, you have an amazing story. I know you didn't get to share fully, but amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's, <laughs> it's amazing to see everybody here. It's just, it's, this is the first time I'm seeing this. So with, with these sets of eyeballs and seeing different people at the same time, it's like, wow, enjoying this uh, action. And, and So we're talking oh, about there we go. money and uh, how do you monetize your travel? So Kevin has something to say. I think Chantel, uh, Natalie, Lucas. So go ahead. Money, money, money. Go ahead, Kev. Thank you, sir. Uh, yeah. So, you know, for us, for our one-year trip across Canada, a couple of things. The trip was really about helping my daughter understand the country, and Ricky's gracious training kind of got me to go. Don't just make it a trip. Actually, do something with it that could be. One, inspiring for other people as well. So not to be so selfish, which I have a tendency to do, think about myself. I mean, it was more about how do we help other people? So we created a website. Ricky did the whole thing. Website, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Like it was like the, you know, the entire thing of putting this thing called Teen Across Canada. I mean, as a parent, it's like, it, whatever. It's just a trip. It's just a family trip. But to the outside world, it's a story, it's inspiration. So we just started blogging, and my daughter was a blogger, and I was just posting all the pictures and keeping it colorful and putting some video footage together. And halfway through the trip, Ricky said, so <laughs> have you been able to get anything because of your expo you know, what you've been doing? I'm like, I never really, yeah, sort of, not even thought about it. Put a letter together, very simple format, that said to one of the fairies, because we had a motorhome and a car and to cross a ferry and a motorhome <clears throat> give you an idea is about 400 bucks and that cuts into a budget pretty quick so we're like considering that a campground is like 40 bucks a night kind of thing so 400 dollars is like ah, 10 nights so we sent a letter out saying listen we've been doing some pretty good exposure we got some pretty good following would you consider sponsoring us? And the ferry company came back and said, yeah, we'll support you. And we ended up getting on CBC uh, radio. We were on Shaw television. We were doing stories. We came back home with another media coverage. So the exposure got us, uh, you know, it was a, not a financial, but it was financial in terms of it ate into our budget. And one of the things that Ricky has been so great at teaching many people <laughs> is that, you know, sometimes it may not be dollars and cents in the pocket, but it might be dollars and cents off your travel budget. And one of the things that I would tell anybody, because now I'm all about in my business, land-based, not traveling, um, about being, you know, in the media and getting media exposure. And that is sometimes you get to do things that may not be financially rewarding. You may not get a sale from it, but it will help you in terms of credibility, exposure, awareness. And that's what our journey was all about, was being able to take our little family trip and turning it into something that aligned with what we were doing anyway in terms of what I was doing with business and keeping exposure up and credibility. Um, so that's my little story. <laughs> Not big like some of you guys. They're totally inspired. I have to say, since I got the mic, I got to tell you something. 
all of you guys are like, wow. Like I'm sitting there going, I can't believe I'm in this panel. I feel like I should be just an outsider watching all of you. The singing, uh, Nathan with your project that you're working on, Scott, you traveling, Alani. Like I'm like, this is awesome. I'll shut up now. <laughs> Kevin, you, you've traveled every single province of Canada from east to west and then back east again. That is phenomenal, my friend. So, uh, you know, most of us have not done that yet. So what you've done is quite inspiring, especially with your teenage daughter. So big kudos there. Chantal, you're also traveling in RV across the U.S. Tell us about that and how you've been able to fund your journey. So I want to say ditto to what Kevin just said because how you got all these inspirational people in one room is absolutely amazing. And I didn't know that this was going to be such an uplifting experience. So I appreciate that. And it's pretty funny when we first began our adventure, um, I, my MS was, I was basically a prisoner in my 3000 square foot home. And I decided that, you know what? my MS isn't going to have me. I'm going to live my life to its fullest and nothing's going to stop me. So when we first started traveling, we were traveling the country based on my husband's business. Well, something happens to you when you live your version of freedom and you live your dream. You can no longer do what everyone else says you have to do. And the universe, God, whatever, however that looks to you, start speaking to you and start showing you that you're supposed to do things differently. And I discovered Young Living Essential Oils. Um, it's a year ago, almost today, and it changed my life. We started blogging. I started just falling in love with this whole idea of essential oils and what they can do, having had MS for 25 years. And I was like, oh, I have to tell everyone. I have to learn about why is this, why is this the best oils, et cetera, et cetera. And everything just started to roll in from there. I have always had a huge passion to speak and share with people and inspire people to look at their life, take control of their situation, and live it to its fullest, regardless, regardless of whatever physical, um, emotional, mental, whatever the situation is. It's your life. You can do what you want to do with it and to harness that and just go for it. So driving and thriving today is, yes, we're about essential oils, but we're passionate about living life to its fullest with 100% freedom based on loving and living the absolute health and wellness, which to me is spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical. It's more than just, oh, I've got my oils. It's all of these other things. And so we fund our dream with our essential oils, but we're going to make it so much more and just live our passion every single day in, a, in an effort to inspire others to find their own dream and their own version of freedom and to be as healthy and well as possible and to make the most out of every single day. Well said, well said, my friend. Nile, you are living every day as it's, you know, the most important one. Tell us about it. Thank you. And I, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to just comment and say, Kevin, thank you for sharing about uh, sharing your experience of applying for, for sponsorship and it's something I've been thinking about for a while and so you speaking to it really um, it felt great <laughs> just to get some more ideas and um, 
And then um, Chantel, I've been living with an illness for some years and I'm much better than I was. Um, but I also want to do... They're an absolute blessing. And, you know, listening to you, being able to travel with MS and having that be so... Is I'm sitting here in this call and I'm thinking, maybe, maybe it's time. So yeah, I just wanted to say you've both impacted me. In fact, every, there isn't a person on this call who hasn't positively impacted me. So thank you. Um, so just just very briefly then. Um, I think it was four years ago. I was in a part time job and. Um, the job was made redundant. I was very seriously ill at the time. And although I was coaching, it was very ad hoc and I wasn't charging very much. And um, I was very highly qualified and I'd already coached the Kenyan Olympic team. I'd already been offered my own column in the Oprah magazine and various prestigious things. But financially, I was really crippled. Um, and I was getting minimum wage on the part-time job anyway. I was very much a square peg in a round hole. And they found a way to get rid of me, which was a blessing <laughs> in disguise. Um, and I, I had already been looking for other part-time work for a while. I'd been very unhappy in the job that I was in. And, um, and I just, I came to this realization that maybe this is the universe giving, like presenting me an amazing opportunity. And what came to me was maybe you know, if I'd been spending months unsuccessfully applying for jobs and, and, and things are dire, I mean, I was only going to get one month payout, enough to live on one month. Um, I needed to do something radical to turn my boat around. And I just thought if I either put the money into looking for more part-time work, which is going to be really, you know, difficult and highly competitive with other people looking for work, or I went for it full out. So I went for it full out. And I've been entirely self-sustaining ever since. And um, last year in, so I've been studying intensely and I've been traveling a lot and studying with those travels. Um, and then last year I was invited to, I was I attended a leadership To, um, to speak to various people out there. Uh, and I went and it, it, didn't, it didn't unfold in the ways that I had imagined it would, not, uh, and really not positively. And coming home, I was absolutely exhausted and I sat on the plane and I was in the very backmost seat in the corner at the, at the way. And I... I just don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to speak to anybody. I don't want to engage with anybody. I just need to rest. I was so exhausted. And then these four chaps walked to the back of the plane. And they were really big, strong, thick, heavy guys. And as in muscular. And I thought, these guys are either in the prison, are either in uh, the military or, um, or they do some kind of security work. So I asked them and they were, they were very evasive. 
and the one guy sat in the aisle seat, so just one seat away from me. Anyway, we got chatting a little bit, and then another man came and sat between us, and so this, the guy in the aisle moved onto the other side, and I felt really disappointed because there'd, there'd been a really interesting connection there. It felt like a real kind of heart connection there. Anyway, when we, when we arrived in the UK, we were at the back of the plane, uh, standing, waiting for everyone to step off, and he's and we were chatting, and and I, and he said he was. Oh, that's right. They asked me what I was doing, and I said, "Well, I can't tell you because if I tell you, I have to kill you." So he thought that was very funny because he was he was in the military, <laughs> and um, we were chatting, and I told him, and I said, "And I'm a transformative leadership coach," and he said, "Well, actually, I'm studying transformation." So as we were walking to, uh, to the main building and I said, well, what are you wanting to do with it? And he said, well, I'm thinking that maybe in a few years I will start my own consultancy work because I stay away. I live away from my family all the time and I really want to spend more time with my family. And I said, well, from what I've seen and heard, I don't know what's stopping you doing it right here, right now. Start. So I said, well, I'll help you. And within a month, it was a fully paid end client I've ever I've ever um, acquired and and I charged a really really high figure and he didn't flinch he just paid it all full up front and it was one of the most empowering moments of my professional life and it meant that um, I didn't have to work, I didn't have to earn any more money uh, essentially I'd not had to earn any more money from then until now i mean i haven't but i haven't needed to and and that's just been really incredible really really incredible and um life-changing and i've been traveling uh several times internationally and and as some of you heard earlier on i'm just about to fly out you know a week ago it it was an idea in the mind of god and today or a week ago um Ricky and I decided I was going to fly out to the Philippines. So I'm going to be with him in a week's time for two weeks. And then I come home and then I'm here for a week. And then I fly out to, to Belgium, to Brussels. I've been invited to be a panelist on a, on a multinational. Uh, they want me as an expert on something. And I said, what, what, what preparation do I need to make? And they went, no, 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 none. Just, just come. We just want you to talk to us. So it's really inspiring and exciting and um, and there are some things that I think I really want to do which Ricky and I are going to make an impact on when I get there but I really want to learn how to harness the opportunity of sponsorship so being of service to those organizations or those individuals and learn how what I'm offering and my contribution can be of service to enhance what they're doing so it's mutually mutually beneficial and mutually powerful and um yeah just looking for all the ways in which i can be of service and that my life is i have this enormous spiritual calling on my life i have had for over 25 years and it's only been in the last couple of years that i've really felt in a position that i could start to actualize it and a year ago or a year and a half ago, I left a relationship of 10 years and I've just been freeing myself from all the drains in my life, whether it's family or partner or foods or habits or 
and then looking at what gives me energy and um, travel and spirit give me energy. Beautiful. Well said. We are winding down. We only have 10 minutes left to go. I do want to give an opportunity for some of the new people who have joined. James, uh, James, my buddy from uh, over there in White Rock, uh, Podcasting Mastery, go ahead and uh, do a quick intro. Uh, 60 seconds. Go ahead, James. Hey, Ricky. Good to see you, buddy. Congratulations on episode 500, huh? Took me 15 years to get there. You did it in about a day and a half. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, awesome job. Thanks, James. Thank you. Same to you, Scott. Good to see you, buddy. Well, yeah, so I've been working in the online space for, I would say, probably 20 years, almost to the day now, uh, full-time. And I love the whole theme of travel because one of the things we've been able to do over the years is just an absolute ton of travel. And although I fast forward to today, all of a sudden we seem to have six grandkids and uh, two of them just came out in the last uh, couple months, one two weeks ago, one two months ago. And one of the great benefits uh, that we've had the good fortune of thank you to the internet is uh, to give our kids the gift of travel and to teach them travel. Because when we uh, grew up, our idea of a trip was uh, heading over to grandma's house on the island or maybe going camping for the week or the weekend. So being able to travel the globe somewhat and take our kids with us on cruise ships and down the East Coast or West Coast for three-week road trips. And yeah, I could just go on and on. It's just been an amazing thing. And now that they're all out and grown and out on their own and married and uh, having babies, they're out traveling as well. So they realize how important it is to uh, get out of our little bubbles and go visit the world. And guys like Ricky and Scott, and I'm sure there were many of the rest of you do uh, an amazing job of... of uh, demonstrating how that's possible and Ricky just a quick one other shout out to you uh, I'm always amazed listening to you uh, talk about your trips and your travel with your little young family and uh, that is so awesome it's uh, a little braver than I I would say we usually would be gone for a week or two maybe three and then we'd be back home so good on you and uh, good to meet everybody in the group here it's just awesome Thanks, my friend. Before uh, you know, uh, we move on, I just want you to share about your prize. You have an amazing prize for uh, all the people who are still listening and watching three hours later into this podcast. Uh, go ahead, uh, do a quick 20 seconds about your prize. Well, great, Ricky. Yeah, so thank you. And I know we got another great podcasting trainer here, Scott. Uh, Scott Patton. Uh, I've had the chance, too, to put together a, a podcasting course. It's taken me about two years to put it together. And uh, there's a comprehensive 400-page manual that I put together following the same format that I put together with my best-selling affiliate marketer's handbook that sold literally uh, $1.3 million worth of and went on to spawn literally hundreds of very profitable, successful uh, online businesses. And I put the same formula into the Podcasting Mastery Manual. We're just launching it now uh, in the next week or so. But uh, there's, the copy's done, and I've, I'm happy to, uh, to uh, offer up a couple copies for Ricky to, uh, to share for any of you that are looking to uh, start a podcast or maybe looking for ways to monetize an existing podcast. Uh, I know there's a lot of podcasters, podcasters out there that are not making uh, any money from their show yet or just very little and one of the things because I come from the affiliate marketing space and I've learned how to monetize and feed a family of four over the last 20 years uh, monetizing content it kind of, kind of comes naturally to me and that's all in the in the manual 
So let me jump in and just say congratulations to Will Lowry and Scott Swanson. They are the winners, and I will be contacting them and giving them the information so that they can email uh, helpdesk at jamesmartell.com with the subject header, which will not be said. Otherwise, we'll have 2,000 people in too. <laughs> so congratulations to Will and Scott. All righty, we're down to the final five minutes. I want to honor everyone's time because we started on time. We're going to end on time. Lucas, over to you, buddy. You have an amazing offer, a free coaching program for all of those aspiring digital nomad, location-independent coaches. Thanks, Ricky. Uh, just even aside from that, that's, uh, yeah, you can find that on the website. But aside from that, I'm trying to think of everyone who's listening to the podcast. And my whole model for making money online and living the life I want and all that fun stuff was always coaching. Um, and I, I believe not everyone I think is maybe destined or wants to be a coach because you're giving your people a lot of energy. I think if you're a really good coach, but I think the coaching business model is in my opinion, it might be biased because that's all I do. And that's all the kind of people I help is definitely one of the easiest ways to get into starting some kind of online business, making money online. Um, especially if you're really, really good at something. But what I find oftentimes is coaches will have, and I'll just spend three minutes, Ricky, trying to drop some value bombs and then I'll, I'll, I won't hug the screen and maybe someone else can share something. But, um, oftentimes I think coaches, probably the two biggest things I see is coaches are trying to, they're experts in a lot of different things. And I'll see this a lot of time, like they're fitness, health, business, and marketing coaches. And then they're always wondering why they can't seem to build traction because they're being seen as a generalist in a lot of different things instead of a specialist. And I know I really resonated with, um, I think it was Eleni or Eleni. I don't know if she's still here. Yeah, she is here. Because when I first started, I was like obsessed with money. All I wanted to do was make money. I had a $150,000 a year job at one point in my life. So depressed, attempted suicide, hated my life. And I had the house in Vancouver. I had everything I thought I wanted. And I remember taking a step back from that, started a coaching business, started making a ton of money. I had a natural knack for making money. 12 months later, making 15, 18 grand a month, hated the business model, shut it down. Everyone thinks I'm crazy. Accountant is wondering what I'm doing. Shut it down overnight, kicked out all my clients, and then had to sit there for a long time for about eight months and think, A, choose the right model, because if you're really going to commit to this thing, you're going to be doing it for 10 years. If you don't choose the right model off the get-go, you're going to run into problems. You're either going to hit that ceiling like Elani was talking about, where you can't take more clients or you're overworked, you're working 50 hours a week and you just, anyway, pick the right model. And choose something that you could devote the rest of your life to that may change. And, you know, in a year or two years, you may outgrow what you're doing. My first coaching business or coaching was health and fitness. I loved health and fitness. Loved the gym. Loved building muscle. It's all I talked about. Strangers, I talked about it. It was very successful online business. And then I just outgrew it. I literally just overnight was like, I'm not into this anymore. Shut it down. And organically, a lot of coaches were coming up to me. And because I had an obsession with sales and marketing, all I did was study sales and marketing for about four years, building my first business. I realized a lot of coaches were really good at what they do. And I'm sure everyone in here is amazing at what they do. But when it comes to sales and when it comes to marketing and when it comes to packaging up that message that attracts the people to you, uh, Google like marketing message, anyone listening to this and just dial in your marketing message tonight and make sure that everything you put out there has that marketing message wrapped around in it. Um, and your coach, it's just amazing how fast your coaching business can turn around, how much more you can start charging, and the kind of clients you'll start attracting when you're really clear on what you're the freaking best at, what that one amazing thing you do. So I hope that drops some value. I could, I could spend six hours talking about it, but maybe that'll help someone listening. And, and again, I'm a huge believer of what Elani said of um, 
make sure you love it or make sure that it's set up right. Because if you just chase the money, which I did for eight years, um, you know, you, you don't want to end up in a, in a dark place like that. So, and I think everyone in here, is, at least all the speakers here are doing that. They're traveling, they're doing what they love. But maybe anyone listening to this podcast episode is like, I want to make money. And I just, I, I, I try to, I, I, I'm going to push onto you to just ask, how can I serve people? And how, what kind of problem can I solve? for the rest of my life, every single day, live and breathe it. And your business will be successful. You don't even need to hire a coach. Um, just stick with that and stick with it for a few years and you'll be amazed at what you can build. All righty. We are at the top of the hour. I wanted to thank everyone for joining us here for the last three hours from around the world, North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, and beyond. Thank you, thank you, thank you for everyone who's joined us. Uh, as they say in multiple languages, thank you. Uh, Terima kasih. Come some hamnida. Muchas gracias. Merci beaucoup. Anyone else want to chime in in Arabic? How do you say thank you? Anyone else want to say some thank yous to everyone who's watching, listening? Sheshe. Sante. Asante sana. Gfala lepo. In the Bronx, we say, yo, thanks, man. <laughs> I learned gracias. Shukran. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for episode 500. And in India, it's Shukriya or Dhanabad. Okay. Uh, and if, any, if anybody wants to be in contact, thank Ricky, please everyone. feel free to. Yes, thank uh, you, everyone, for said, joining us. Thank you, everyone, yeah, on the Digital Nomad Mastery podcast and videocast live here from Manila, Philippines, from Vancouver, BC, Canada, from Toronto, from Ottawa, from Medellin, from Philadelphia, from Cairo, Egypt, from Spain, from Kolkata, from the UK, and many more. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we are done. That is episode 500. Stay tuned for episode 501 and beyond. We're going to celebrate with you and all the way up to uh, 1,000 and beyond. So I just wanted to thank everyone for joining us. want to leave you guys with one final question. You guys have listened. You have heard. But the question for you guys is, what is your next step? The, the journey of a million miles starts with one step. What is your action you're going to take as a result of listening, hearing, being inspired, and educated? So leave us a comment and let us know, what is your next step to become a digital nomad? Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to episode 500 from my Digital Nomad Mastery podcast and videocast, where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. <laughs>